0: That paint it or draw it or write it down right and then pass it on to somebody they read what you're saying and then they are re and that's the only connection you have with that man so you can't rewrite because to rewrite is to deceive and lie and you betray your own thoughts to rethink the flow and the rhythm and the tumbling out of the words is a betrayal It's a sin martin i don't accept your uh catholic interpretation of my compulsive uh, necessity to rewrite every single word at least a hundred times guilt is the key not sin guilt re not writing the best that i can guilt re not considering everything from every possible angle balancing everything well how about guilt re censoring your best thoughts your most honest primitive real thoughts because that's what your laborious rewriting amounts to, Mark. Is rewriting really censorship, Bill? Because I'm completely fucked if it is. Exterminate all rational thought. That is the conclusion I have come to. Uh, hello, welcome to the third episode of the Interzone Asylum Podcast. I'm Jake. Hi, I'm Philip. Uh, our usual third party is missing this time, but you know show must go on, right? <laughs> of course. But to all you blood-hungry people who want to listen to our episode about uh, a very cuddly fictional serial killer. Yeah. So, so I guess we'll get right into that with... Uh,
1: Sam is he's dismembered in body bags at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, yep.
0: he was... <laughs> yeah, he was an unsavory character. It was very... You know, he met the code, right? Yeah. <laughs> that we live by. <gasps> But you know his goes. So we'll we'll stitch him back together at some point. But for now, he's uh, he's in timeout at the in trash bags. <laughs>
1: trash bags. We'll hopefully be back next time out of the trash bags.
0: Yeah. 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 So I, if anyone hasn't guessed, our uh, top is Dexter, the now I believe like thirteen, fourteen year old TV show. The first two seasons in particular. Obviously, like eight yeah. seasons would be way too much to cover for one pod, but. Who knows? Maybe we'll come back to do it at some point. So anyway, uh, Phil, do you have any history with Dexter before this watch?
1: Uh, yeah, so none at all. Um, the The only time was I think we sat down together and watched the first episode. Like at one point at one of the movie marathons, we had finished a movie and we didn't want to start something too long. So you threw on the first episode of Dexter to kind of give everybody a sense of it. And that's as much as I knew uh, going into it was I'd just seen the pilot. So uh, really didn't know anything. And I'm really just getting to see uh, the first two seasons with a fresh pair of eyes, uh, which will be interesting because, yeah, you've seen it m- much more than that, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I watched it all, I believe, like the first time years ago. I watched it all the way through. Like, Again, it was like two years after the show ended. But, okay. but yeah, you know, I've seen it all before. And I rewatched most of it last summer because it had been years since I first rewatched it. And I was interested to see how it held up. Yeah. But we'll talk about that more as we go on. I I also read the book first uh, after I finished the show. I read the book many years ago. The book was called darkly dreaming Dexter. It was, oh. written, I believe two years before the show. I remember it not being terribly good. It's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a you know i mean the premise is a very pulpy kind of story in both yeah. the concept and its writing style we won't talk about that book too much because the show greatly differs from it in fact most of the book like the first hundred pages of the book is adapted in the pilot episode so oh, wow. so the show really does do its own thing and i could maybe explain why as we get into it further yeah that's uh that's pretty much my history i was a fan of the show when i first watched it but you know as age and education goes, you gain better critical eyes and ears. so yeah who knows it'll, who knows it'll if it'll hold up under scrutiny? We'll just wait and see. So it's
1: funny though I, I had no idea that there was a book. Um, but just from knowing the premise at this point, I, I see it holding up a lot better as a TV show, especially like as a episodic drama kind of thing than just as a standalone book.
0: Well, one of well, it was actually a series of books. There's like oh, eight books. But I think the writers said they'd never wanted to adapt any one of the books for the show. And I think part of the reason is because Dexter never really grows in the book. Like oh, okay. he, he remains like just that detached killer the entire time. Whereas I feel yeah. like for a TV show, I think most people would get tired of that, just him being that same one note kind of emotionally yeah. detached killer it's a lot
1: harder to write satisfying characters that are like that, that are kind of like, they don't change, uh, but like things change around because you kind of just have to write better stories where they get to react to the changing world. Uh, but people like growth. So yeah, that becomes hard to just have them be the same throughout the entire series.
0: Yeah. Well, the also thing is that the books are told first person, which obviously that's
1: from the show. Yeah.
0: The show has the narration and like, so the other characters in the books aren't really developed. they're just seen through dexter's eyes and because he's a psychopath, he can't really yeah
1: <laughs> understand well he
0: he can't see that further into them so they don't really develop as characters either okay. whereas the sh- whereas the show though I will say most of the characters aside from Dexter aren't terribly interesting, but it's not no. too big a problem considering that the show is just about dexter mostly For sure, yeah. not that big of a problem, but Yeah, I can see why they would want to at least try to have a little more of a growth for the main character with a TV show. Especially, like, I mean, Dexter's obviously not the most realistic killer to begin with. Yeah. So, so like, I think people do want to like Dexter. And if they had him just even just at the level of a vigilante serial killer being detached all the time, people would gradually drift away from it. (laughs)
1: For sure. I mean, like, cause he, he, bas- he's the protagonist of the story and like, people want to be able to connect to some extent with the protagonist, uh, which I mean, yeah, is a little hard to do when your protagonist is sociopathic and <laughs> like, uh, yeah, unemotional and everything. Uh, yeah. but that's, yeah. I think the show does it well. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure they did that well by differing from the character from the books.
0: Yeah. I also yeah. say that, uh, before we talk specifically about what happens in the show, the we should mention some people do criticize Dexter because it's not like a realistic representation of a serial killer because yeah. it is, you know what I mean? It does make him kind of likable in places, even if it does show him murdering people all the time. But they are like, yeah, you know what I mean? They're people you don't like and who do worse things to better people. So that's what makes you glad to see Dexter take them out.
1: For sure. it's Yeah, people kind of like that. Vigilante justice, kind
0: of thing. Yeah, it kind of links into superheroes, which the show itself even does in season two in one episode. Oh,
1: yeah. Yes, that's
0: true. Yeah. We do have to take some leniency with the show's use of psychology because, like, as we'll see, like, the reason why Dexter has this urge to kill was linked to the fact that he saw his mother brutally butchered in front of him when he was yeah. three and he repressed that, but the it left him with an urge to murder people, which I think we both can agree that is a kind of primitive. I was going to unders- say, it's
1: a little oversimplified, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, and also the idea that like he was taught a moral code to be a serial killer by his cop foster father is also a bit of a reality stretch, too.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think some of that just comes with like basic uh, suspension of disbelief kind of thing. Uh, it, it makes for a good premise if you can get people to believe that kind of thing realistically enough, like it seems plausible enough. It's not too far of a stretch mm-hmm. um, that like, th- that's actually what I really enjoyed watching the pilot for the first time um, mm-hmm. is how they established that premise. Even if, yeah, it's not the most realistic, but with a little bit of suspension of disbelief, it, it becomes an interesting premise for sure.
0: Yeah, but the thing is with Dexter, I feel like the show isn't so stylized enough where it kind of maintains its own reality. So it kind of maintains on a level of a sort of more pulpy kind of kind of reality whereas I think of like the sh- like Hannibal. I mean, in all versions of Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter isn't a very realistic serial killer either, but the TV show Hannibal like kind of takes place in like this fantasy world with like these moments of surrealism and symbolism so all the heightened stuff in that it works because it's sort of acknowledging itself as fiction and as fantasy whereas whereas Dexter is almost more just classical like you know you suspend your disbelief enough but the world itself it takes place in isn't particularly heightened it's it's more just average
1: for sure yeah yeah Yeah. like every other aspect of it is kind of meant to be pretty grounded in reality
0: yeah so I guess with like just the opening talk about the premise out of the way, I think we could, uh, we could just start talking about the episodes proper. So uh, what do you think of the the pilot, just as the introduction to the show?
1: Um, so yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the pilot, because, like, um, you get a good introduction to, like, Dexter's actual character. Um, as far as, like, all of the the points that we were talking about kind of thing, the idea of, like, him being a serial killer and like he him being taught this code and uh how he kind of like they really they establish him right away as that like vigilante justice kind of uh like uh, to use the term loosely hero uh of the story and then they also like they start to show what's going to be the overarching story of the entire season i think that gets established well enough um in the first episode too. Um, So like I I quite enjoy the pilot. I think it it does well for itself.
0: It is sort of a product of its time in a way, because a lot of those cable shows that were popular, like the Sopranos, uh, the shield. And then just shortly after Dexter came breaking bad and mad men, all of them were about anti-heroes. Yeah. so. So that was a huge craze in cable TV at the time. And it almost Dexter is almost the most extreme example because he is like, we are set up right off the bat. He's a remorseless serial killer. He's open about the fact that he fakes his emotions and he doesn't yeah. actually feel anything for most people. Even like when he says to um when he's talking about Deb, his, his his foster sister, he says like I don't have feelings about anything, but if I did, I would have them for Deb. Even if like he's admitting that he doesn't actually feel for. Yeah. Yeah, so, but one of the things that's kind of a little confusing about the show at times, not confusing, but muddled in a way, is sometimes you wonder what the writer's perspective on Dexter is. Like, does it want him to be a remorseless killer, or does it kind of want him to make him, like, a you know, murderer with a heart of gold type thing?
1: That's kind of an issue, actually, that the show has, is they have to walk that line. Between what they've written him as being, like, yeah, a remorseless serial killer and wanting him to still be a likable and redeemable character. Um, And, like, if he was just completely a remorseless serial killer with no conscience, he just becomes irredeemable, even if he, like even if he acts by this code kind of thing, it's hard to ask people to then like him and be invested in him. So I think you see a lot of that, especially in how they choose to develop Dexter's character throughout the show. It's kind of just tacking on more and more things that make him redeemable and more likable.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, is the point when Dexter says like, you know, I don't feel anything even for my foster sister, but it's sort of like when he first hears her on the phone and she's like, Dex, could you get over here? Pretty fucking please. Like, and he kind of laughs at Kind of smiles like in, a, in an affectionate way because, you know, he's yeah. used to her, he's used to her foul mouth. Right. It's like, Oh, my, my sister kind of thing. He's not acting for anybody in that moment. So it kind of shows he does have a, like a little bit of affection for her. Yeah. But, her, but like, yeah, is is it kind of intentional that he's unaware that he's capable of this, or is like the show just kind of muddled in how it's portraying him?
1: Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I don't think I have a firm answer on. It. Like, I never got a solid read uh, of that. Whether yeah, it was completely intentional, or they were kind of just. It it doesn't feel like uh, it's a hundred percent intentional. I think it kind of just developed as it went and uh that definitely like muddled things up and kind of muddied the waters a bit
0: yeah it's well part of it seems intentional with season two because season two a lot of the arc is dexter kind of going on his own self-discovery huh? yeah in, in a way so it kind of feels intentional there but from where it starts it feels like a sh- it feels strange that there isn't that clear perspective on on him right away. And I'm not saying like it has to have like a moralizing perspective, of course. Cause like, I mean the Sopranos, you're set up right away that Tony Soprano is a mobster, yeah. but it's not, but it's like, we'd set it right away. Yeah. He does shady things and we're supposed to have a, somewhat more complicated relationship to him, but there is a clear perspective on Tony Soprano's character and whether or not he can change and what he is. Whereas Dexter, you kind of, it always feels like you, like you said, it has like, w- it's trying to walk the line of like, are we really going to challenge the audience by presenting to us such a questionable character or do we want to make him like a kind of likable anti-hero in an almost comic book kind of fashion?
1: Yeah. And that's why, like, I, I don't, it doesn't really pick one lane or the other. He kind of ends up doing a, a bit of both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about specifics of course later, but I guess with the pilot, one good example right away, right in the opening, um, uh, when he kills the the choir conductor who murdered the at least three young boys, you see like three yeah. bodies Dexter dug up. What's in the first three episodes when you see Dexter on the hunt, so to speak, they do make him like genuinely menacing. Yeah. Like when, you know, when he's coldly just like, you know, look what you did or I'll cut your fucking eyelids off your face face to the choir conductor. But it's also a way to like get an audience on his side right away because he is killing a pedophile.
1: Of course. right?
0: And it's like, you know what I mean? Even there's always that myth, right? That pedophiles don't do well in prison because they're viewed as like the lowest of the low. So it's like right away, it's like, oh, I like Dexter because he takes out a pedophile. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's people that we, that a lot of people can easily say, like they deserved that. mm -hmm. Yeah. which I mean, we we can talk about that more, uh, but it's just like the the general consensus. If you poll around with people, uh, asking like, do do a lot of the people that he kills deserve to die, kind of thing, uh, it's very easy for people to have that gut feeling of like, yeah, that person was terrible and deserved to die, um, and it's reflected in how they write the characters too. They're uh, as, like, things are starting to come to light, you have people who are like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that someone's killing all these bad people. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's good someone's doing it. Like, maybe they shouldn't catch him kind of thing.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to season two, <laughs> definitely. Uh-huh. But um, even in that scene in the pilot, when uh, you do, right before you even learn of the code, when Dexter's like, you know, I understand your urges. You see, I'm just like you, but I can never... <laughs> Do anything like that to a child, yeah. Fairway, right in the dialogue, but also, what's weird is that, like, in all the other murders he does, he usually takes uh, photos of that person's victims, yeah. But in, th- in that special case, he actually dug up the up corpses, the- yeah. Maybe it's just because the fact that they were children and he I found them, yeah. yeah, because like the- that
1: is something that comes back, kind of thing, uh, is that like as part of his morality kind of thing he does like he would never harm a child kind of thing or like kill a child or harm a child at all um so it's i don't know it's still so weird to think of dexter's morality though because it it feels so like jarring with who his character is as being yeah like usually it's more of like a a serial killer is a little more amoral uh, kind of by nature. So it it seems contradictory, but at least it's consistent when it comes to the kids thing. But uh, that makes sense to me. That's why he actually takes the time to dig them up.
0: Well, sir, when you talk about his morality, it is important to note that it's not necessarily Dexter's morality. He did inherit it from Harry, his foster father, but, but it's also like, Another aspect is unrealistic, even if, like, say someone tried to do that, tried to give a potential budding psychopath or a serial killer a a code, I feel like a lot of those people get off on the fact that they're doing something that is against society's norms. And, and, yeah. it's, a, and it's a lot of sadistic, just torture and harm they do to innocent people. I, I think they that is a lot of the appeal for the real-life serial killers. So, it's,
1: it, yeah, exactly. It becomes hard to think that he'd get that same enjoyment, especially over a long um, period of time while still following these sets of rules.
0: Uh, but
1: also it's interesting cause like the whole point of Harry's code is, uh, it is tied back to, uh, survival. It's, it's about Dexter surviving. Um, especially they live in Florida, uh, (laughs) which, uh, pretty loose on the death penalty. Um,
0: there's a lot of crazy people in Florida too, which gives Dexter enough, uh, enough enough victims to sort through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Enough to work with.
0: He's, uh, he's never short on people he could kill.
1: But yeah. So that's the thing is like how much, uh, of it becomes like him actually internalizing this morality, um, or is it just him associating this morality with his own survival? Yeah.
0: Yeah, There's some like interesting moments in the show where you're kind of like, okay, is he doing this out of a genuine concern for somebody, or is it just a way to help give him a sense of control or to just preserve himself?
1: Yeah, yeah like for, for his own means.
0: Yes, sometimes it's interesting to kind of wonder when it's not explicitly spelled out too, which the show yeah. sometimes does with the voiceover narration. Yeah. Which the voiceover narration is hit and miss for me because, like, sometimes, oh, like, sure. <laughs> sometimes there's some, like, really funny comments he makes in his own head, which we can maybe talk about later. But then other times it just feels like he's explaining plot or interior character stuff that we could probably figure out pretty easy on our own.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's my big issue with, uh, the, the like, his narration kind of thing. Mm. Um, just as a, like, writing device especially when it comes to tv and movies like the the big thing that they like to say is show don't tell um and the like the whole idea of an internal monologue uh is a lot of the times they're just telling you things that they could show you or that people that you can kind of infer you don't need it to be spelt out all the time by him just monotone in his head saying something that you're like yeah i got that I, i can see that
0: when we talk about just the voiceover, what do you think of Michael C. Hall's performance as Dexter huh, throughout?
1: Um, I like, I enjoyed it. Um, I, it's one of those like I I never felt like there were scenes where it was lacking at all, um, but it, it was it was also not like something I'd write home about kind of thing, right?
0: I think one of the, I think he's re- I think he's really good in that he fits the role really well. But yeah. also one of the things that's interesting because a lot of the subtext in the show is that Dexter is kind of a guy who can't be himself around people. Yeah, like that. And I think people can kind of relate to that, even if obviously they're not serial killers. But everybody has parts of them that they hide from other people, even people they care about. So, For sure. Yeah. And one one of the ways he plays Dexter when he's like with. You know Rita and the kids, or he's at work. He walks very like rigid and stiff in his movements and the way he talks. But then when he's doing his thing, he's like looser. He's kind of moves a lot more agilely and athletically. Mm -hmm. So kind of almost has this like more animal-like quality when he's being himself, going after killers.
1: Yeah, where you can tell it's a little more acted, uh, just with, yeah, okay, him being Marge. I didn't notice it as much in his actual body language, uh, I was paying more attention to, like, his facial expressions, and a lot of what stood out more is just, uh, how, like, how he actually acted, kind of thing, uh, just a lot of the times you'll see Dexter's character, like, smiling at stuff, um, that he shouldn't be, kind of thing, um, and getting yeah like sadistic enjoyment out of a lot of things and i think the show is good at like using that uh at least to like to a reasonable extent kind of thing where it's it's subtle enough but like the camera work makes it less subtle right cuz like the, you're getting close ups of his face as he's like say walking up to a crime scene or a dead body where he's got like a smirk because of whatever's happening um but it's not like He's smiling ear to ear, staring at another character right in the face. Um, so it's something like he could reasonably get away with, but it, it still becomes satisfying to actually get those shots uh, because I think they, they, they end up speaking volumes a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I think let's uh, so he was on Michael C. Hall was on the show Six Feet Under just before okay. he was on Dexter, and that he played a closeted gay character okay. who was closeted in the first season. He came out at the end of it. So I guess his specialty is uh, somebody who puts on a facade to hide who he is from people. <laughs> yeah, and and anyone who wants to listen, to this, no, I am not equating homosexuality with being a serial killer. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I am not saying that, but both these shows deal with with similar things
1: yeah (laughs) it it is a lot about like wearing a mask i mean that's something that comes back often in the show Mm -hmm. that idea um of like especially in season two more i think Mm -hmm. um as as he talks with like lila and stuff yeah Um, but yeah you you definitely see it from like as early as the, the the first like the 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 pilot oh i see that's one thing though getting back to the uh like internal dialogue kind of thing and the uh the the voiceover um that was one thing that i actually had a hard time with with the show getting used to
0: was the voiceover
1: Um, was the voiceover um just because like a, a lot of the lines i just didn't find very satisfying i didn't think they were super well written all the time um and the, the, one of the first ones I wrote down from the pilot is he looks at a donut box that's empty. And he's like, just like me, empty inside. And I was like, no, yeah. I can't.
0: <laughs> like, it's, it, it's, it's laying it on thick there. Exactly. That's And not, too, is and it not it, thick
1: a lot of the times.
0: And not in a particularly clever way either. <laughs> he's staring
1: at a donut box and he's like, me too, bro. I'm also <laughs> empty inside. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, in terms of the other characters we, who we get introduced to in the pilot, we get introduced yeah. to pretty much all the major characters. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think I think Deb is introduced fairly well. We see like that she's a little more emotional, not as sure as, of herself as De- yeah. as Dexter, and she kind of wishes to be taken seriously. In addition to like her f- real foul mouth, which can be fun in places and annoying at others. <laughs>
1: I never found it that annoying. Um, the thing okay. I actually found it more annoying was uh, her uncertainty. But that was really only, like, in the f- first half of season one. And then it, it kind of developed more. Uh, but, like, in the pilot, she's super shaky. can She can barely get a word out kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that, that, that one was harder for me to, like, I just didn't enjoy her character a lot because of that early on. But uh, it obviously got better.
0: I think with the uh, with the swearing part in her character, it's not so much there in the in these first two seasons, but as it goes, the show goes on, it becomes like caricature. The amount of times uh-huh. she swears and it can get annoying. I yep. think the the actress uh, Jennifer Carpenter, I think she kind of struggles with fitting into it at first maybe but maybe that could be a part of just her playing the character being uncertain but i feel like
1: i, I read it as the character being uncertain and they kind of evolves because she does work her way up in the police force kind of thing and like you, you do see her grow to be more assertive
0: uh yeah. But even in season two when she's kind of – in the beginning when she's all shaken up because of her experiences yeah. from season one, I just feel like the actress has grown a little more confident in the role and has a better sense of it. But I feel like that may be just natural for actors in a TV show in for general. Sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, especially depending on their experience and the role and stuff.
0: Yeah, I feel like that also – we kind of get a sense she's somewhat of a foil to Dexter right away. Well, he kind of says it in his monologue because – you know, Deb is like someone who is very emotional and headstrong, but does have a good heart ultimately. Yeah. And But she puts on a kind of tough, crass image to people to make it seem like she's not so vulnerable. Whereas Dexter is the opposite. He paints himself as a mild-mannered, kind of awkward guy to show up to hide how cold and detached he is. Yeah. Others. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of get a sense that, like, there is some. The show really goes into it much later in later seasons, but that there is a dependency they have with each other. Because Deb is almost like a link Dexter has to his more human side. And and Dexter's, like, the facade that Dexter puts on, Deb always sees that as the one good thing that she can always rely on, too, in her life.
1: It's also like uh, Deb kind of becomes a link uh, to Harry for Dexter. Um, who's clearly very important to to Dexter kind of thing. And I I think, like, especially uh, because from from the beginning of the show, Harry's been dead for several years, I believe.
0: Like 10 years, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, um, So it's kind of like Dev also becomes the only part of that life that he has left and stuff. Uh, But I I think that um, Debra and Dexter's relationship is at this point what would make me continue watching the show after yeah. watching season two what uh, isn't
0: what is interesting they were actually married in real life the two actors really yeah that's weird they met on the show so i mean even if they're not romantically involved they still have some chemistry with each other because of that probably <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah for sure that's funny uh, he, he married his sister.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's weird. They uh, they bonded while they were playing brother and sister.
1: Yeah, well, uh, <laughs>
0: that's funny. That's some step fantasy hub <laughs> shit there. In terms of the other characters, I think most we Angel Angel doesn't go anywhere terribly interesting in the show, but I feel like he serves a purpose as just being the good, honest character yeah and that's it's there in his name angel yeah (laughs) too masuka is just the comic relief
1: yeah yeah
0: the only other characters worth noting is dokes yeah you
1: know
0: one because like and what's weird about dokes is right away we're set up that he knows dexter's hiding something but he can't prove it it's more just like it's an instinct he has one of my problems i feel I don't know if it's a writing problem, but, like, he's so upfront that he doesn't trust Dexter that you feel like all his moves towards him are telegraphed because of that.
1: <laughs> uh, what do you mean by telegraph? then? Like,
0: like Dexter is always going to be able to see Dokes coming because he knows oh. Dokes doesn't trust him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but is that a writing problem, or is it more just in Dox's character that he is so blunt and like hot-headed? You know,
1: I think like that, that comes more from yeah, what, like Dox's actual character flaws of being like too up, like too upfront about it, too aggressive ab- about it. That um, he's never going to have the upper hand on Dexter mm. because Dexter is always going to know that Dox is after him. Yeah, uh, because and, it's, he makes it so clear. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Dexter is also able to keep a cool head a lot of the time, whereas Dokes lets his anger get in the way most of the time.
1: Yeah,
0: even like when he's following Dexter in season two, it's like he's right behind him, and he's always like, "I'm watching you, motherfucker." (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, and it's like. Tail him from a distance. He's, he's like walking right behind him.
0: Yeah. He's like, I'll see you tonight when I'm tailing you, Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what do you expect to find him doing? You, I thought you know? he was looking like covert
1: ops. Like <laughs> yeah. maybe was, that's why I got but not so covert, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <gasps> oh yeah. man. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh the only other major other major characters in the pilot, we have uh Luke Guerta, who's kind yeah. of not a terribly interesting character, but it's also real weird is that in the books she remains that bitchy character who is mean to deb and hits on dexter and you kind of the point is you just don't like her in the books but yeah. in the show in the show in the pilot it feels like that's what they're setting her up as to just to just be that kind of one-dimensional character yeah. but then the show kind of actually tries to show more layers to her but in a way that Definitely, kind of thank
1: God uh.
0: Yeah, which sometimes in its ways that feel forced and it's not entirely consistent with how she was introduced. But I do prefer there to be at least something there beyond just the really cliche, bitchy manager character.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, like she has some of her own kind of subplots throughout the season, uh, the two seasons that we watched that like never feel yet that relevant.
0: They're not terribly interesting. Like, all the police no. politics and stuff like that, especially when yeah. you watch a show Probably like...
1: The one's a lot of that, yeah.
0: Especially when you watch a show like The Wire, which handles that stuff much better and more realistically. It's, And it's like, whereas this show, like, again, it's a pulpy premise. It's like I think the yeah. premise of a vigilante serial killer is enough to hold the show over. I don't think you need these...
1: These other little, sub, like, dramatic kind of subplots yeah. to keep it afloat. That's actually, yeah, the... If that's something that we want to get into, I feel like some of the subplots that were just added for more for drama than for actual, like, character development, they're more just dramatic plots and not ones that really told you all that much about the characters. I found that those kind of dragged the show down
0: a bit. Yeah. If you say dramatic, I would say melodramatic because it's it's, it's there to just induce drama, not to further character or anything. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then after the police buddies, we get um, we get Rita and her her kids as the other real major characters yeah. <laughs> of the show. And what I do like is that they set up that Rita is damaged herself. You know, she was the victim of a horribly abusive husband. Yeah. And, she, you know, she's longing for someone to just be normal in her life. It's
1: a decent premise as far as yeah. setting up the character. Mm. Yeah.
0: It makes sense that she would fall for Dexter's facade because he's putting it on so well. Yeah. towards her so like i do buy that she wouldn't be able to see through dexter right away because she just desperately wants someone something who's,
1: like that what he's presenting to everyone kind of thing right yeah
0: yeah and so she will is willing to overlook things that other people might see as often dexter yeah yes yeah, so i think that's a like you said a good way to set up but it's also uh they said that Dexter, at first, it, he was dating her for cover mostly to kind of look – to make himself appear normal. But we do see yeah. him genuinely grow and become appreciative of her as it goes on, especially in season two.
1: Yeah, yeah you see it a lot more in season two. Um, I, I, I feel like that's also just the only sustainable way to write it because, like, it does make sense how they set it up, the idea of, like, part of survival. Like, he has to look normal and, like, the more isolated he looks as a person – the more, like, uh, suspecting people will be of him, right? Yeah. Um, so the idea of him having some sort of, like, established relationship, like, people aren't going to suspect someone who, yeah, yeah, is, like, dating a woman who has kids kind of thing and socializes and da-da-da. But, like, that's that's not sustainable. He, you couldn't just have the whole show be him like i'm just in this to fake a relationship uh, i'm so tired of faking this relationship and uh, go <laughs> kill people um like the only way to write like a more satisfying story is to actually have him grow despite yeah. like grow into the relationship despite
0: everything else despite who he yeah. is which means breaking like from a realistic depiction of a empathyless serial killer but exactly. like that's the thing that's the thing you kind of in order to maintain an overarching interest, you'd have to have him grow, whereas if this was just a movie, you could get away with that, I think, a lot yeah. easier. Yeah.
1: For sure. It's the it's the amount of time that you're stuck with these ideas, right? Like, in the span of a movie, uh, like, it doesn't, I don't know, um, demand as much Like because it's not as drawn out, uh, you can kind of stick with the idea of, like, him being in this relationship as a means to an end, for a lot longer than you can in a tv show
0: yeah with uh and also in the pilot we get yeah the we're introduced to the season long arc which is the um the ice truck killer <laughs> yeah. subplot and uh I like Dexter's narration when he finds there's no blood on the body. He's like, no sticky, hot, messy blood, no blood at all. He's like, I've never seen such dry, clean, neat-looking, dead flesh. You know? uh, It's kind of funny because, like, he also, both of them dismember their victims. Yeah. So that's why he's kind of drawn to it because he sees, like, it's not just an ordinary run-of-the-mill killer. He's very much in tune with what Dexter's doing and we find at the end of the episode that he knows Dexter's secrets himself.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Is that, yeah, that's true. Uh, Okay. I have my, like uh, you get the cut up doll in his freezer kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, yeah, which was fun. Like the cut up dolls holding a mirror too, like a tiny little mirror, Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like was just fun symbolism kind of thing. Like I wrote that down immediately, like mirror reflection, like, Oh, this other serial killer is like a mirror to him somehow. Uh, a reflection of him and I mean obviously that becomes more obvious uh, the towards the end of the season yeah I also think the idea of him being like fascinated by um, this like this dead body kind of thing that's been drained of all its blood is it's also like because he's been killing and cutting up people it's something he's very familiar with but the idea of there being no blood is also very foreign so of course it's going to be super intriguing to him uh because it's it's something that yeah he's familiar with but other people wouldn't be uh and it's done in a way that's still super yeah different
0: yeah well it's clear it's the only thing that's actually giving him excitement because you know it's after he sees the second body that he's like touching no. rita in a way yeah and then-
1: oh kn- that's in the <laughs> second episode i think yeah. right
0: uh- yeah then no it's in the pilot <laughs>
1: Is in the pilot? No, I thought I had uh,
0: where because that's they're they're like at the
1: the fair and they get the second body. Oh, never that's mind. The... Okay, gets turned on by killer technique. Yeah, uh, but that's I like he's more excited than horny because like um, in in the the pilot, I actually I've noticed I'm like Dexter is asexual because like yeah, he kind of presents that way. Uh, but they they really vary from that uh, like as the show goes on.
0: It's not, so much, it's not so much that he's asexual. I think it says it's more just he fears when he sleeps with a woman. She'll see yeah. him for who he really is. For sure, but yeah. I th- you get into
1: that, yeah. But
0: I do agree, like, yeah. Even if he's not fully asexual, he's not someone with, like, a hard sex drive in yeah. general. Yeah. That's
1: the thing. I think that did, uh, like... Because it, it wasn't really, like, a, a retcon all that much. It was more just that, like, that was Dexter's interpretation of himself before... But then they, they get into, like, his sex life and the idea he's just, like, afraid of people seeing him uh, because that's something that's so intimate. It's hard for him to keep that mask on. Uh, so, yeah, that's why, like, thinking back, Dexter's not asexual. He's, yeah. like, that that's not what his actual character is supposed to be, Uh
0: Yeah, well, I think it says, like, even in one of the flashbacks in a later episode where it shows Dexter going on a date as a teenager, I think Harry says to him to avoid real intimacy because women will be able to sense that he he doesn't actually feel the things they want.
1: Yeah, which means that's probably just what got instilled into him kind of thing, like, burned into his brain.
0: Like (laughs) most things Harry taught him.
1: Yeah, um... I, I mean yeah that was kind of the whole point of everything that harry was doing was just to burn it into his brain
0: one of the things later in the pilot that's i guess it is obvious but i didn't notice until this rewatch was uh the second person he kills in the pilot is the the valet driver who killed the woman yeah. in the snuff film yeah he, remember, well one of the narration is kind of funny when he's like he left but he left behind two little boys the uh you know, the woman's children he's like he left them oh. emotionally scarred forever it's just that monotonous flat narration while he's describing something kind of horrible that happened it's like yeah, yeah feel you know knows the words but can't feel the music kind of thing like he's just justifying it yeah to himself it,
1: that's the thing i think it's a lot of it it's it's he just has to justify everything logically like that
0: there's also a parallel how he says you know, it shows the flashback, well, when he finds the the killer's porn collection, how it's kind of escalated to really violent pornography, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it shows the flashback to when Dexter was just killing animals
1: yeah, as a it's kid. Yeah, the same kind of escalation.
0: Yeah. And, uh, do you like, I just I don't know, do you like the flashbacks with Harry? Do you like those scenes?
1: Um, i I actually do. Um, I enjoyed them a lot more than, uh, like, it, it's one of the... I'd rather be watching the flashbacks than be watching some of the, like, the subplots. Yeah. Uh, because they're at least Dexter-centric. Um,
0: yeah. And I like the actor who plays um, Harry. I think he's a good actor. He's like a he's a character actor. His name is James Remar. He's in a lot of uh, different things. He's always just one of those reliable, small character actors. And it was kind of good. good. It was good that they got him for this part because I think he... He brings a lot to those flashbacks.
1: No, he he definitely does. Uh, I I think you're like he's one of uh, actually, think my favorite actors as far as how they play the characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it in some parts where it shows. Like, I think in one of the episodes, I forget which, was when it shows him teaching Dexter how to like subtly attack somebody in the night, and Dexter's like, "Oh, I won this time." Yeah, and it shows like how, and he's like, "Do you think I?" I'm having fun teaching you this stuff, Dexter. I'm doing this to protect you. It kind of shows how he himself is tortured about what he's doing with Dexter. So so it's not not just a clearly like, oh, I'm going to send him on the bad people thing. It's clearly not. It's clearly just something he's doing to try to experiment and help Dexter rather than something of growth out of himself, you know?
1: Yeah, Uh, which, I mean, like that that really becomes more clear especially towards the end of season 2 uh but that's not something that like i read as well uh the the first time watching that scene kind of thing like obviously you you see that he's like uh it's it's not going to be pleasant for him having to teach his adopted son all this stuff um but like it's obviously you get scenes like that that show that it's harder for him than uh than it might seem
0: one note during on the pilot um is when he kills the the valet driver uh dexter wrapped his head in the plastic wrap <laughs> wrapped in plastic stick yeah got a twin Peaks reference but uh <laughs> there but like he never does that again it kind of feels like yeah then trying to show how sick he is the fact that he wrapped his head in the plastic he usually does but he never does it again though <laughs> throughout the show
1: oh yeah uh no I, I don't remember that as uh, as
0: clearly yeah and I like the line, like, after he kills the the snuff film guy, he's just, like, one less amateur filmmaker polluting the internet. <laughs> That's a funny line. And there's obviously – there's an obvious incongruity when he's, like, placing the guy's body parts in the trash bags. And then he gets a call from Rita asking him oh, to come yeah. over <laughs> it's, it's, like, an obvious incongruity that you're meant to kind of laugh at and find humorous.
1: But I mean, like, that's something that uh, there, there are similar scenes to that often enough. Like, he's always getting phone calls while he's chopping up bodies. Yeah. Oh, that, that's one thing. I was like, <laughs> Dexter, sometimes just don't answer your phone. I was like, <laughs> he gets phone calls at the most inconvenient times, and he always answers them.
0: Yeah, He doesn't want to worry them, you know? He's yeah. got to keep his cover. <laughs> but oh, man. Uh, Yeah. I think with... Yeah, I think that covers the pilot. Um not much else yeah. to say, really. Um, and then, in, yeah, in episode two, we get the opening sequence where it just shows Dexter doing mundane, banal tasks, like tying oh, his yeah. shoes and brushing his teeth. It's obviously an v- elaborate gag on the fact that these serial killers just live banal, normal <laughs> everyday life. lives. Yeah. But also,
1: like, the way that it's shot, it's taking a lot of these, like, really normal things and kind of making them a little more, like, macabre. Like, it's it's meant to be gross. He's like cutting open the blood orange and it's like shooting everywhere and it, it, it really and like you're showing him like press the uh, like his French press kind of thing but it's really like a gurgling and stuff. They kind of want to make it unsettling.
0: Yeah. They shoot it all in extreme close up yeah. to kind of show you the nitty gritty of what's going on rather than seeing it from afar.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I think it's something about like the, the way that they shoot it kind of thing. It, it, Seems to like want to make it reminiscent of stuff like him chopping up bodies and like some of the the grosser stuff that he actually does, but it's just all of the mundane shit that he does. Yeah, yeah.
0: In terms of the actual episode, the I think the episode is called Crocodile. Yeah, it's and cro- that o- yeah, and that and it obviously refers to crocodile tears, mm-hmm. which uh, you know the killer in this up ep- the person Dexter kills in this episode, Masters. Uh- but uh in terms of the main ice truck killer plot, the only thing we learn is that like, yeah, they find the ice truck, and is is the ice truck killer really that appropriate name to uh to give to him? It's decent.
1: Like <laughs> Well
0: in the in the book he was called the Thai Miami Slasher huh? instead. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um I, I just think like <laughs> to to me, because it's the police force that comes up with that, right? Yeah. They're 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 the ones who know about the ice truck. Um and it's, I don't know, you have a serial killer
0: who's but murdering
1: he, people in an ice truck.
0: But we only know he did it just that one time, and then the ice truck is just abandoned after he basically gives it up to them, you know?
1: Well, isn't it more than just the one time? Because isn't that the idea is that like they find uh, that there's like evidence on the actual bodies that they were refrigerated?
0: Yeah, but then we learned that it was just his own personal refrigeration unit in his apartment. Yes,
1: that's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the ice truck was just that one time.
1: Oh. But, okay.
0: Yeah, but anyway, we're not going to speculate on that. That's kind of minutiae yeah, detail yeah. there. But and the other thing we find is that like the the little f- the fingertips he left frozen in the ice truck are all colored differently, which yeah. was also there on the Barbie doll, which obviously becomes relevant when we learn more about him later
1: yeah you uh, but it also becomes like the obvious connection for dexter kind of thing uh that like it's meant for him right
0: yeah which we already kind of established and it's just giving us more of that sure. i don't mean i don't mean that in a bad way it's just progressing the thing more no no i know they just
1: kind of keep like they, they have all of those nods like that as they get more evidence like every time there's something specifically for dexter which i mean is just satisfying uh
0: yeah yeah in terms of the other thing in this episode, um, the person Dexter kills is somebody who actually didn't intend to kill his victims. He was the uh, a guy who was a drunk driver. He killed a, yes. a, a teenage boy drunk driving. And then Dexter finds he killed, I think, like a policeman or a firefighter okay. in another drunk driving accident. And then he paralyzed an old woman in an, another drunk driving accident. And each yeah. time he did that, he changed his name and moved cities. Yeah. So you kind of question, it's like, this guy isn't technically like a serial killer because he's not doing this stuff intentionally, but he clearly doesn't feel any actual remorse or guilt for what he's done.
1: Or at least not enough to stop doing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because we see right after he gets off for killing the teen, for hitting the teenage boy, he's like, I'm celebrating and he does it by getting drunk and then going driving.
1: driving. Exactly. So that kind of becomes the, the nail in the coffin for him, right?
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, well, when Dexter finally has him, and I like the shot where it seems like you think Dexter's gonna inject the um, the gang leader who killed the guy in the subplot, the episode in oh, the bathroom. Yeah. But then it pans; it does that long. The camera does a long pan where it um, it's revealed to be that other the other guy, and uh, when Dexter um, is like holding the saw to his head, and the guy's crying like "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and Dexter says to him, "It's like no, if you." if you really were sorry, you wouldn't have done this over and over again. And yeah. it's also ironic that he kills them in an abandoned liquor store.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, isn't that recurring to a certain extent? Um, oh, no. Usually, yeah. Sometimes he kills them just where in their, like, like in their homes, wherever he finds them kind of thing in yeah. wherever they're doing shit. But yes, that's true. I remember that as you were panning out, there getting the establishing shot he's in an abandoned liquor store.
0: I was going to say, do you think this guy deserved to be killed by Dexter? I mean, even just in, like, the vigilante logic of Dexter, do you think this guy deserved it?
1: I mean, like, uh, it's one of those, I understand why uh, Dexter, like, decided kind of thing, that it was within his code to kill this person. Um, But also, I think it's interesting, uh, uh, I don't know, because, like, you're when you kind of see the the connections that they make in season two between like Dexter being a serial killer and stuff like addiction yeah um, and what one of the characters that like the the guy says kind of thing he's just like oh it's like it's the alcohol kind of thing right it just it takes me over um so I mean like when you kind of compare it that way it sounds similar to some of the stuff that Dexter's saying about his own condition but then also, uh, it, it sounds similar to the comparison that you get in the, the pilot uh, with the pedophile, where he's like, I, I can't help myself, right? Yeah. Um. And, and Dexter is like, neither can I. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh,
0: I think Dexter even says to the alcoholic drunk driver, he says, like, you know the view that you're not in control of your actions he's like i'm not entirely unsympathetic to that
1: yeah <laughs> that exactly. idea
0: but it's still a different thing one's a literal thi- thing and the other is like you know the urge to kill people <laughs> it's sure. different things but like i would say like yeah obviously there's the question do Dexter in a real world context do all of, does dexter deserve to kill anybody there's obviously that answer but like this is one of the more interesting kind of cases where it's like, did, does he fully meet Dexter's code? But, like, I think I, oh, I, I, I can buy that, like, Dexter would think this guy would meet the code to kill him.
1: Yeah.
0: This episode also introduces the subplot involving dokes right away, which I find is, like, strange to, like, right off the bat to, like, give us a subplot like that.
1: And it's such an irrelevant subplot. Isn't this yeah. the one with, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the okay, the drug baron and stuff. They're investigating it. I couldn't even follow it honestly, because well, it seems so detached from everything else
0: well, like- I the plot is that basically Guerrero, I think that's the that's the drug lord's name. yeah he, he one of his men killed an undercover cop. Okay. And then yeah. it turned out, and then he also had the guy's wife killed. and dokes yeah. and Dokes was sleeping with the wife.
1: yeah, the okay.
0: and because of that, Dokes becomes like, a victim of, like, harassment, I guess, in the department, where, like, yeah. the other cops, you know, they frame Dokes for beating up one of the drug dealer's guys, and then the, the drug dealer basically just starts tailing Dokes and he even kidnaps him. But then it turned out it was all part of a plan to use Dokes' as bait to catch yeah. the drug lord. It just feels, yeah, it just feels so bizarre to just have that flown thrown right at you right after we get all the stuff with dexter you know that feels like a later something to do when you're just running out of ideas in a later season you know
1: (laughs) like it's where it was placed that it felt weird and that's why uh i like there was just a little bit too much going on in that episode that like these characters weren't established well enough yet to try and run a plot like that one um that I was like, yeah, I barely know who Dokes is, and apparently I have to start understanding that like he's sleeping with this dude's wife. That I just found out who they were because they just died. Uh, it, it, yeah, I just think like it was a little too fast as far as the pacing.
0: Especially this is like the second episode to just throw all this stuff at us in yeah. such a like you like I said a melodramatic kind of way. It just it's just it's just jarring. I feel. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, at least it does tell us a little bit about Dokes' character in that, like, we do see that Dokes does get obsessive over his personal investment in crimes to the expense of a bigger picture. And we don't get the sense that he's a foil for Dexter quite yet, which we get later on. And I will say season one does a good job at, like, kind of establishing and revealing more about Dokes as it goes on. Yeah, I actually think that does a pretty good job, but I think, like, just the pace, like you said, the pacing of the way the storyline felt just felt awkward and just thrown into your face way too much. Sure.
1: Yeah. But no, I mean, like, uh, it definitely I learned to like Dokes' character a lot more as it goes on, but, like, this kind of felt like a stumble as far as starting the character off. Yeah. That just made me, like, yeah, not like him as much from the start. Because already he's built to be unlikable, right? Because, like, if Dexter is the protagonist... You have some like person who's antagonizing the shit out of him, being like, "I don't trust you," and you're like, "Shut up! Get away from my little serial killer baby. He's done nothing <laughs> wrong."
0: <laughs> Other things in this episode, we kind of get a we get a trait of Deb when she gets promoted for finding the ice truck truck. You know, yeah. she's like she's like really overjoyed when she gets promoted, and I think that's a trait is that she wants to be seen as somebody worthwhile because you know her dad. Her dad was always so busy with Dexter, even though she didn't know what he was doing with him. That yeah. like she she just wants to be valued by somebody, and I think like just in that little moment when she is so overjoyed, I think it communicates that that well enough.
1: <laughs> for sure, yeah, because it's it's just looking for validation of some sort, right?
0: Yeah, but I think that covers the second episode. With uh, the third episode. We get another ice truck killer victim who is somebody Deb actually knows, but that doesn't really play into the
1: not really it it's that much. No, she's killing, uh, or like the ice truck killer is uh, killing prostitutes, and she was working undercover as a prostitute, so like she she knows a fair amount in the area.
0: Yeah. one thing that's funny when dexter first goes to the scene and the uh he says like oh this feels like christmas morning a miracle on ice when he sees the dismembered body in the ice rink yeah. so it's it's funny when he's like this is amazing and angel's like i never took you for a hockey fan and sometimes it's funny when dexter's his true self kind of sneaks out, out and people just interpret it differently yeah, yeah kind of has a dougie vibe you know exactly (laughs) except they're not except they're not interpreting his stupidity yeah but it's still like
1: it makes sense people are gonna interpret the the weird slips that he has as like something that makes more sense within the framework of what he's presented to them right yeah so yes it makes a lot more sense that he's like oh cool we're in a hockey rink not like oh cool a corpse (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I think when Deb realizes that the hooker was somebody she knew while on Vice, and Dexter's like, "You want a hug?" and she's like, "Fuck off, bro." It's clear like Dexter's like, "Should I say that?" Like he's like, he doesn't know if that's the correct response, you know? Yeah, yeah. But another thing, this kind of does display that the ice truck killer. We already know he's like a mirror to Dexter, but one of the ways we do know is that he's displaying his victims. Outright, yeah. whereas Dexter is hiding them every chance he gets. Yes,
1: yeah. which is,
0: which comes into a play of that the ice truck killer is somebody who maybe lives a little more authentic to his nature, whereas Dexter is someone who's hiding yeah, who he definitely. is. And, and even when he's hiding, he's like abiding by a code that was taught to him. And yeah,
1: that- so it's not just like something; it's not his authentic self. It's kind of what someone taught him to be.
0: And the killer in this episode is that the, well, he's not a teenager. He's like a 19 year old, but he killed somebody as a teenager. Yeah. His name is Jeremy Downs. And that's another, Jeremy's another foil to Dexter. And he even kind of looks like the actor who plays teenage Dexter. Yeah. A little, little bit, but, and uh, I kind of like how um, when Dexter goes, you know, Dexter goes to kill him and he's going to before he injects him. He says like, oh, are you going ki- to, you going to rape me faggot. I killed the last guy who raped me. And then Dexter lets him go because they, you know he killed somebody who deserved it in yeah. Dexter's mind. But it has that that uh, little shot when um, he's still choking him and um, he's Dexter's teenage self kind of fades into Jeremy. Huh? Yes, yeah. And then you hear Dexter say, like, oh, he didn't kill him. He just took out the garbage like I did. Exactly. And, yeah.
1: and like, they're not subtle about him seeing himself in Jeremy, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's obvious. But one thing I like... When I said, like, how these early episodes do make Dexter menacing, and um, even after he decides to let him go, Dexter's just like, you know, I don't want to cancel my credit cards, and I don't want to wait in line at the DMV, so just give me the money in the wallet you stole from my car, or I'll snap your fucking neck. And like, yeah, like yeah. He's just so, like, cold right towards him, even as he decides to spare him.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not, like, that, that's what's more, like, creepy about it, is that it's not, like, angry threats. Yeah. Which is what you get from a lot of normal characters is they're very much like those stone cold threats. Which, yeah, makes him a lot more menacing.
0: Yeah, we get a sense he's not emotionally involved. But it's clear, like he doesn't really emotionally care about Jeremy in that moment. It's just the fact that like killing Jeremy would deviate from the code because he doesn't fully meet it. somebody who hurts innocent people, right? Oh. Right, so it just shows that like he needs the code to just maintain control and order of his own life, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is the idea. But he does give Jeremy that advice to like, you know, if you ever need to kill it again, make sure it's somebody who deserves it right before he just leaves him.
1: <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean like that not the best uh...
0: <laughs> I think doesn't he doesn't he doesn't he even admit later he's like, Yeah, that was a bit of fortune cookie advice. <laughs> exactly. To give some of yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Or <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that advice is uh, a lot more hollow than what Harry gave him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also in this episode, we see Dexter's uh, first kill, which was the nurse who was trying to overdose Harry on his oh, medication. Yes. That's a very classic uh, kind of stereotypical like angel of death, you know, serial killer nurse thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was seen yes. in a lot of ways. But it is also interesting when like Harry's like del- delirious on his medication. He's like opening like Dexter when I'm gone. You're going to have to do the stuff your urges on your own and deb's like what the fuck are you guys guys talking about <laughs> Probably goes
1: to the wayside there yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and then even dexter joins he's like how could i make it do it without you dad and deb's like can you guys just explain to me <laughs>
1: what's, what's going on, on? Yeah, yeah i don't know how she would harp about that a little bit more it's like you know the shit that dad was saying to you when he thought he was dying like you want to explain that a bit
0: uh, it's uh, father son stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he could just maybe he just rationalized it as that. Yeah. The bond, uh, the bond between a father and son. You know. Uh, one thing that's interesting, like a camera moved in that flashback, is yeah. when um, uh, uh, it's like a close up on Harry's mouth as opposed to his eyes when he's telling Dexter to go kill the nurse. It's because yeah. because I, I read that psychopaths actually focus on people's mouths more than their eyes
1: weird okay yeah, you know
0: what i mean eyes are the most expressive part of your face right yeah and so psychopaths will like not look to that because like you know what i mean it, we, they don't have the empathy ability to, to sense those expressions yeah. i don't know i don't know if that was intentional i doubt it was but it does seem it is an interesting choice that almost unintentionally feels like that uh,
1: no that's cool yeah I, I wouldn't have thought of that um oh was it one thing from this episode though uh you had uh, a scene with, like, a young Dexter, I think. It was specifically there the one where he's at, like, Carrie's bedside. Um, but it's just Michael C. Hall in, like, the worst wig. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it was really funny. I was like, he kind of looks hilarious. I couldn't take it super seriously.
0: Even when he kills the nurse, it's just, like, young Dexter. But it's just so obvious it's, like, the 30-year-old actor <laughs> in a terrible yeah, wig. in,
1: like, just some slightly longer, like, frostier hair. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this episode does continue the dokes story a bit, but I, the one thing I will say, when the cops are going to attack the lieutenant in the uh, in the clown masks, that does yeah. feel that does feel kind of eerie the way it's shot. But, oh, other than, but other than that, it's just the same dull subplot being advanced. Not much really to say there.
1: Yeah,
0: I just wanted to add there was some at least nice atmosphere with that
1: oh yeah like super dark outside and they pick the the right creepy clown masks for the shot
0: (laughs) yeah and a good atmosphere is when dexter kills the nurse and uh you know he puts the cotton in her mouth and like the scream she's trying to make makes it feel eerie but when dexter's like awkwardly stabbing her it's like really awkward it kind of makes it funny and he's like the first (laughs) time is always a little messy
1: (laughs) yeah as he's fumbling
0: around trying to do it
1: yeah. well yeah and he has to like fight her off and shit too right
0: yeah i also remember the ending voiceover is when dexter says that because he kills people that proves his disconnect from humanity but then when he kind of pleases rita a little bit by uh getting her a new car after the the drug dealer stole it <laughs> yeah, from her curious, yeah. yeah he says like score one for the little wooden boy like referring calling himself pinocchio a oh bit. okay
1: yeah i didn't catch that that's funny <laughs>
0: I feel like that's, like, a kind of a setup for his arc in general throughout the series, is him just trying to be more human. Yeah. In a way. But even if, like, he's not aware that he's becoming more human when he says that moment right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, that. that's kind of part of it is that, like, Dexter's a little too close to it to kind of see his moments of humanity, right? Yeah. But, like, they, they definitely become more and more obvious.
0: Yeah, and uh, the next episode is more ice truck killer heavy. Is when he's uh, leaving parts of the uh, the guards uh, who he's kidnapped and framed. Yeah. He, yeah. He's leaving part. He's leaving dismembered body parts throughout Miami, where which were like hallmarks of Dexter's childhood in the photos he took. Yeah at first it's seen Dexter kind of sees like, you know, Oh, is he like corrupting my happy memories? But it's like, no, he's really just revealing the ugly kind of emptiness behind how Dexter was forced to smile in those, in those photographs, yeah. which I think is, you feel like Dexter would know that right away because he himself was faking that, that stuff. So it's like, what's there for the killer to reveal that to him? Maybe more so that he knows what Dexter is really going through in a sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, No, that that makes more sense, kind of thing. It's kind of like showing him that, yeah, he he knows what Dexter is going through, but also kind of like getting Dexter to come to that realization of, yeah, how fake it was, kind of thing. Uh, I was just gonna say inauthentic with the same thing. That's the
0: (laughs) yeah. Before we get to like advance that story more, there's two like minor threads throughout this episode. There one is Angel constantly asking Dexter advice for like what anniversary gift to give to his wife i'll admit that's kind of like gag thing yeah (laughs) it's funny when like at first he's like you know it's like xo and dexter's like what ox Ox? he's like no he's like no hugs and kisses he's like well that's better than making her think you're playing tic-tac-toe on her (laughs) head or something like that it's just funny because it shows how disconnected dexter is from from just these human concepts of like showing affection yeah and it does so in a funny way. It's not too overly serious about it. But
1: like, I also I feel like it's not just on Dexter's end, too yeah, like some of it is from like angel zone disconnects. like <laughs> you don't get someone something that says ox. like that doesn't look like hugs and kisses
0: <laughs> I never understood why x and O's mean hug and kisses anyway. Uh,
1: there's a reason, yeah, uh, but I forget what it is. It's
0: yeah, uh, I don't know it's dumb there's also that uh, Rita's neighbor, the bitchy neighbor with the dog that keeps barking. Yeah. At first, when Dexter goes over to talk to her, and then she just slams the door in his face, and he's like, you know, I can make things so much easier for Rita, but that would be wrong. And, like, is he referring to killing the dog or killing the neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know who he's referring to in that moment. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, the, like, the whole time during all those scenes, I was just, like, string up that dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: But I was, like I would uh, rather I would rather have him kill the the neighbor because she's kind of a horrible bitch. Yes. You know?
1: Oh no, of course the the neighbor probably deserves it more.
0: Uh cuz the dog is like in pain just like let me the fucking inside please yeah. but you know but she just does like, like
1: an, an actual serial killer would have just killed the dog.
0: Yeah. Which Dexter like, did do when he was younger but Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he knows not to do that now. I mean, At first at first it seems like did Dexter kill the dog when she's like what did you do with my dog and then he just yeah. comically raises his hands and it turns out Rita just stood up for herself and took the dog somewhere else.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: Which yeah. then gives Rita the confidence to give to go down on Dexter later in that episode, which he finds he's not he's kind of okay with. Which is funny
1: because like uh it's it's her getting off on like her own form of vigilante justice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is a yeah. nice flip yeah yeah technically yeah she did uh she did kidnap that dog she did steal <laughs> really the dog yeah.
1: yeah um because and it was just for her own like means kind of thing yeah
0: yeah, yeah with the ice truck killer uh story because again that's the more interesting thing is when um in his voiceover Dexter is kind of coming to realize maybe the ice truck killer wants him to embrace himself. And he says like, you know, everything about this guy is authentic. If I'm just a series of learned behaviors from Harry, maybe he's right. Maybe I really am a fraud. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that obviously comes into play when we find out who the ice truck killer actually is and how he relates to Dexter. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah.
1: But like at this kind of stage, it doesn't uh, have as strong of him in, uh, an impact kind of thing. Cause,
0: cause even at the end when, uh, It's Tucci. That's the name of the guard who he kidnapped. Yeah. And, you know, when he's basically set him up for Dexter to kill because he's just begging to die at that point. But Dexter spares him and said he gives the tip to Deb to come save her. To save him. But and then Dexter in his voiceover, he says, like, maybe my friend doesn't really understand me as well as he thought he did. And he's like, you know, I'm not just a monster. I'm something kind of unique to myself, which kind of feels like maybe he's just like reaffirmed himself as what he is by not killing the guard, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Which is something that comes back. uh, There's a lot of times where like Dexter's character is kind of tested in ways like that. Or like, I mean, in season two, you see him like stray a bit more, but a lot of it just kind of comes back to him reaffirming the same ideals kind of thing that he always had, that he was taught. Even if they were taught, um, he kind of just still chooses to internalize them anyways.
0: Yeah, because we kind of feel like Harry, a big theme in these first two seasons is like kind of Harry's spirit that is always kind of looming over Dexter. Yeah. In a way, because like at this point, Dexter still believes in all the lessons Harry told him, which obviously gets shaken later on as he learns that Harry himself was someone more questionable in his background. Yeah. But like in that moment, we kind of feel by Dexter not killing the guard. It just feels like Dexter has, at least for the moment, reaffirmed his faith in like what Harry taught him and how that has shaped him rather than what the ice truck killer wants him to do,
1: yeah, <laughs> which obviously
0: it obviously comes back later. but and there's also one thing in that episode I didn't like is when uh, the dokes resolution is when uh, it's intercut with Dexter going to the hospital to find uh, the guard and it's intercut with yeah. Dokes being beaten up. It feels like it's trying to make this dramatic juxtaposition between mm-hmm. it. And it really doesn't feel that it kind of feels portentous a little bit. Like, look at how serious this these two things are going on. And it's like, they're not even really comparable situations.
1: That's the thing is like, I don't think it's doing that in a way that's meaningful enough to like draw a connection between the two. I think it's more just about like how to edit uh, like a dramatic A and B plot together kind of thing. Yeah, that they're kind of just like jumping between them, um, but it's not doing it in any way that yeah really makes that much of a connection. It's more just like, if we cut between these two, the drama of the show will stay high, so that can resolve and kind of go down, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. With that episode done, with the fifth episode, uh, I like the opening narration where it's it, the camera's swirling around Dexter when he's kind of like thinking of. What it would be like to just live who he is in plain view of everybody. It yeah. does seem like a little laying it on thick, but I do like how like the camera is swirling around him, kind of suggesting he's fantasizing about being in a bliss. I like how the camera is kind of conveying that, not just the narration. Yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Until say. until Dokes just comes and he's like, quit fake grinning like a fucking psycho and get back to work, you <laughs> know? Which oh, just yeah. cuts it off. Yeah.
1: Which is like most of Dokes' character.
0: <laughs> it's just him being like, I'm watching you, you yeah. creep motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Smiling, you freak.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Dokes never smiles, I don't think.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him smile, no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, in this episode, the people Dexter goes after are the is the at first he thinks it's just the, the husband, but then it turns out it's the both oh, of them okay. and yeah, and wife of the, the two people who run the junkyard and they're smuggling in immigrants and they're killing the ones who can't pay them back mm. by, um, yeah, which I feel like, uh, there is like this episode does do a good job of linking some threads, like love and longing is kind of a thread here. Cause you know, Tucci, when he's being, uh, in the hospital after, you know, Deb came yeah. and s- saved him, you know, he's like, I'll n- nobody's ever going to want me. <laughs> want me again after this and you know dexter's trying to make rita believe that he really cares about her and then um you know even at the end when he comes to kill um the castillos and they're like i love you to each other and then and then dexter's like i really want to (laughs) know you know you're like me how do you make this work and they're like we have the same dream and he's like that's helpful. Yeah. And then and then he kills them. And then he uses that those words on Rita and it actually works.
1: Yeah, which is like I found that was satisfying enough as far as like the, the self contained story of this episode. That like he he gets that answer uh, and it actually applies well to their situation. Um, that they kind of both want the same thing, though. So their dream is like, I want to live a normal life. Yeah, whereas <laughs> their is dream is a little shallow, like of a of an idea. Because yeah. I mean, Rita's idea of a normal life is like, I don't want to be beaten and raped. Uh yeah.
0: But you, it's at least understandable that. They would want a normal life because Rita's been through shit. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> of so.
1: who they are and their back, and yeah, and their history. It makes sense that they share that dream for sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of why they're they're together. From you can tell that from the start. They kind of both want something normal. Yeah, you know? and, and that's why Rita likes Dexter is because he puts on a good facade of someone normal, and uh, Dexter's just in a like in a relationship to kind of seem normal.
0: Yeah. Also, in this episode, we kind of catch Deb Deb catches Rudy in her eyes a bit when he's helping uh, put Tucci back. Oh yes. Okay. But yeah. we don't we don't know who Rudy is yet. Because, of course, no. we don't we don't even feel like he's anybody major. He's just a guy in the scene. But like, I was gonna ask like, were you able to predict who he was gonna be?
1: Not from that point at all. No. Like I- in that first scene. Rudy was just the random dude working at the hospital, which I yeah. think was a really cool intro. It it didn't feel like it was trying to be too subtle, where in thinking back about it, it was like, oh man, they were really playing down who he was. Uh, it was, I think, slid in there quite well.
0: I think the fact that he's like putting him back together, helping him get in, and then when we find yeah. out what he was responsible for, it kind of fits with this kind of narcissistic character of like playing God over people's lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When we find out who he is much later, but uh, one thing that's weird, uh, two things that are a little scenes are a little weird in this episode. Uh, One is the terms of endearment scene. That's when Dexter rents the movie with Rita, and the movie they're watching is ter- *Terms of Endearment*. Oh yes, okay, yeah. yeah. A- and it's like an infamously like mawkish, maudlin, tearjerker movie.
1: Okay. And like okay. Rita's cr-
0: <laughs> and like and like Rita's crying at it, and it's just sitting it, there
1: like, fuck, like, not yeah. feeling shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just what does Dexter say? He's like, maybe if I like just hold my eyes open, my eyes will tear up and it just yeah,
1: doesn't he's <laughs> just staring at her
0: like a yeah yeah that scene is kind of it's weird because like it's definitely played for laughs but it almost feels like parody almost like it's parodying like a normal a normal average housewife kind of reaction to it in a way that the rest of the show doesn't feel like it's working on parody but in that scene it almost no. feels like it is
1: I don't know cuz like it, it I don't know that seems like a normal enough reaction her just being a, also, you know what they're referencing. Uh,
0: I, I think it's just the fact that it is that movie that she's yeah. crying at that makes me think it's playing at, like, parody, you know? Because
1: it's, yeah, it's kind of known a little more infamously for being that super dramatic
0: tearjerker. Yeah, and then also funny when Dexter tries to go down on her just as yeah, payment it was awkward <laughs> that was supposed to be awkward but it would it worked and displaying how dexter is totally clueless
1: oh yeah that scene really like emphasizes uh he just sits there super uncomfortable while she's bawling her eyes out to this movie and then he's like maybe i should eat her
0: out <laughs> <laughs> and she's like uh now's not the time time dexter. Yeah. yeah maybe i'm yeah.
1: not crying <laughs>
0: Another scene is when Deb decides to blindfold Tucci. Yeah, that's another one where it's. Uh... It feels like, yeah. I mean, Doakes gives her shit in that you're being a little hasty with that. Yeah, but th- but then all of a sudden it actually works. You well, know,
1: it's not a bad idea. It's, no, not, it's not that she's like had it, that it was stupid to bring it up. She just wasn't that tactful about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're dealing with a trauma victim, and you're like, hey, let's, like, dive you head first right back into that trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, of course, yeah, he's going to freak out and not want to do it. But, like, yes, that, and, like, that idea is actually sound kind of thing. The idea of restricting yourself back to that situation. Like, that your memory will work that way. Yeah. Uh, so it makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. Sometimes I just feel like from what we've seen of Deb before, because we see her as being more empathic before, it kind of feels like weird that she would go to that right away, even if like, it is a good idea.
1: <laughs> see, whereas, like, to me, it just uh, it reads more as um, like her. She does have good ideas kind of thing as a cop, um, but she's also just very eager to prove herself. Which can mean that she's gonna stumble a bit and end up being yeah not super tactful in this situation.
0: Well, she one of her traits is that she is very headstrong. Yeah, and like that again, like is contra is juxtaposed with Dexter, who always keeps a cool head, whereas Deb lets her emotions just dis- and yeah, like you said, her eagerness decide her decisions a lot of the time. Yeah, but I think this episode is like a good, solid, self-contained one. There's enough character For and sure. plot plot mixed with each other. And It's also the first time in the show when Dexter uses the words of wisdom gamed from victims. He does that a couple of times throughout the show. <laughs> the, what words? The I said words of wisdom from the victims that he kills. Oh,
1: okay, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> Where yeah, he takes yeah,
0: awesome. adv- he takes advice from them, and then he uses them in his own in his own life, and it actually works. Yeah, that but happens just, a couple of times.
1: I Also, just think that makes for good like dramatic irony, right? yeah um for the people watching it's like Haha, he got that from the person he killed like so it just becomes fun more from like uh, a simple like watching perspective kind of thing yeah
0: and then the next episode uh deals with the fallout of this episode where it turns out the ice truck killer uh returned uh because he didn't dismember the wife's body because it was took it would have taken too much time, but he dumped them yep. both in the ocean in the trash bags. But the ice truck killer uh, swam down to the ocean and then dragged up the body of the wife and placed it back. That one's hard to believe. Thinking back, it is yeah, and it's also like it's kind of weird. Like where where was he when Dexter was dumping the body? You know, how could Dexter not have seen him out there? Huh. I mean, like, it
1: is implied that uh, the Ice Truck Killer is, like, tailing Dexter a lot, and knows a lot more about his life than Dexter would think, and that a lot of this stuff is a lot more well-planned out, so it's possible that he could already have an idea, like, already know where Dexter has been dumping bodies, um, just by, you know, A, knowing that he is dumping bodies, and B, like, watching him kind of thing, so it... It kind of makes sense, but also like, how in the hell did he go and dig and sw- like dig up a body from like this? Shit's deep in the ocean, uh, and he has to swim it back up and drag it out somewhere. Wasn't the most realistic. It's uh,
0: stretching so. it definitely, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it was like it made for good drama. It just yeah it was harder to actually believe.
0: I this is the first time where the writers kind of give. A scenario where Dexter is possible of getting caught, which they do much later. Obviously, the whole of yeah. season two is built around that. And yeah. I generally, I'm not a fan of when they do that a lot of times because it's like the show's called Dexter. We know he's not going to get caught. So it just feels like potboilery melodrama yeah. a lot of the time. And that's my problem when they do it. I don't have so much a problem with it in season two because like the people who are coming after him, like Lundy, is a very competent character so you feel there's real danger for Dexter.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: And it's an overarching thing but when they do it a lot of times in the show it just feels like, oh, we gotta fill a dramatic thing. Let's have someone kind of be on to Dexter a little bit and...
1: (laughs) It's because, like, anyone who actually thinks about it for a second knows that Dexter kind of has plot armor. um, Yeah. And that, yeah, that's gonna keep him from getting caught. At least, like, he's not gonna get caught in some random thing that comes up in one episode like they spend all like you say all of season two kind of thing building up this plot of like will he get caught um which becomes very different from like oh maybe they'll find out in this random episode in season one like of course they won't it just kind of makes for a little bit yeah more false of a drama
0: and that's why i'm not a big fan of this episode because so much of it is built around that what and it's it? predictable.
1: <laughs> One thing that was really fun, though, uh, is um, right at the beginning of this episode, uh, what is it? They're, like, Rita's kids, their pet fish dies, and Dexter comes over to flush it down the toilet, and it floats back up. I was like, oh, of course, so, like she's going to cut turn up kind of thing. The, the body that he didn't cut up, like, something's going to happen. And then, yeah, lo and behold. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I wasn't expecting necessarily that, like, that episode um the ice truck killer was going to have brought like dug it up because like you said that seems a little more unrealistic but like the idea of her body being bagged altogether means that like if she was discovered like she would be discovered whole and if that did like resurface kind of thing it'd be a lot more obvious
0: i like uh the part when masuka finds that uh you know there was an injection in her neck which dexter does to all his victims before he kills them and he's like yo it was m99 I'm gonna find out who ordered this and dexter in his narrations like that's it no more donuts for masuka yeah yeah <laughs> well that was funny
1: I read <laughs> I about this I just have the one note at the bottom of this episode dexter is Jesus
0: <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> that's uh i wasn't
1: expecting that that was pretty helpful when I first saw it
0: <laughs> yeah what's the what's the justification? It's like, hey, considering how long that kid was in was in that trunk, who's to say uh, there wasn't a miracle that saved him? Oh no in not. a way I think that they, was just
1: that, that, nonsense the whole like, <laughs> oh, maybe it was a miracle. I, I like from a, a writing standpoint, the idea of like this kid is locked in a car and like sees someone that he ends up considering his savior kind of thing through, like, uh, just the the keyhole of the back of the car, the trunk where he's hiding, that, like, he would describe this, like, person, like, this kid's, like, seven years old. Yeah. He would have, like, perceived and described this person as, like, Jesus Christ, as, like, the only savior that he knows that could have done something so literally miraculous in his eyes um, to to have saved him like that. So, like, I, I kind of liked it from that standpoint. But it's the, the character's reactions, like the other poli- people on the police force that were like, I'll be damned, maybe <laughs> this was a miracle.
0: <laughs> I f- yeah, I find it hard to believe that they would just drop it at that. You know, it's oh. just, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of, but yeah, it is at least funny that the kid does paint it as Jesus, but there's another bit where Deb comes up with the profile of the person he she thinks is responsible But Dexter, you know, tries to hand wave it away because she's getting too close to it. Yeah. And then it shows the flashbacks of when Deb tried to bond with them more by taking the gun, but it only got her into more trouble. Yeah. I I find, like, the part when she's like, I wish you – Dad never brought you home. And then she's like, Dexter, I'm so sorry. It's just, like, a really hasty apology that comes right after she says it.
1: (laughs) I don't know. See, like, uh, I've had siblings, too. Where you get shit like, I wish you were
0: never born. And like, oh, I, didn't mean, oh,
1: I... I didn't mean it.
0: <laughs> oh, I have that too. I just didn't buy it, it would come that quickly. Yeah. Right that like,
1: that's why I, I, it didn't bother me as much because, like, kids are like that sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially, like, her character is known to be a little more emotional. So, like, if she were to get over emotional and say something she regrets, she would regret it immediately and intensely. So, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah.
0: For some reason, I I saw a really stupid thing, a review of this episode. They're like, "Are those flat?" The, I think those flashbacks are trying to make it seem like Deb is the ice truck killer. It's like, what? what? Where? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know your reaction. It's like, where would you even come to that conclusion that that's what they're trying to do?
1: Yeah, like you're like happens when you have people who are dedicated to a show, but are watching the episodes as they come out weekly and are yeah. trying to put all of these pieces together. Uh, before they have the whole picture i I just i watch shows that people will speculate wildly about like what things mean because they just don't have enough of the pieces yet and you'll get shit like that like what if devs the ice truck killer it happens all the time uh but that's a pretty ridiculous one
0: (laughs) yeah well they're like it shows she might be a sociopath with the when she took the gun and everything it's like no it's just a girl doing whatever she can to try to get closer to her Dad and her brother, yeah. you know, it's and that's just the way it was because her dad was a cop.
1: Exactly. No, it's, she just <laughs> wants to participate and like she yeah, do what they're doing. She, yeah, doesn't want to be left out, so she's including herself. Uh yeah.
0: That's just a really dumb take that I thought was worthy to make fun of. For but, sure. And uh, the other than this episode, uh Deb and Dokes go to see dokes's family. <laughs> And I thought that was an alright. Oh yeah. I thought that was an alright scene because we see that Dokes is actually like we guess since Dokes is detached from his family, which yeah. obviously begins setting up uh, how he becomes a foil to Dexter, especially in season two. Yeah. We see like even to the people like who supposedly love him, Dokes doesn't want to see them, and he would rather just be the lone wolf,
1: doing his own thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um.
1: But also like the, yeah, I think it's it becomes telling about his character because like. Obviously, they're presented his family as being, like, very pleasant. Um, and that it's really kind of because of who he is as a person that he is so kind of uh, detached and, uh, yeah, excludes himself from them.
0: I think this is also the first time we get reference to the fact that he was in the military, I believe, in dialogue. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's just casually mentioned Okay. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't Would, be able to
1: tell you when you first hear that. Um, yeah.
0: Which, which obviously becomes relevant, you know,
1: much more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Other than that, yeah, you're starting to get some of like the Paul subplots, of like Paul trying to attend the kid's birthday party.
0: We don't see him in this episode. I don't uh, think so.
1: Oh. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. Just. Yeah. It's at the end of the episode. That's what it's saying. Is that Rita dissuades her abusive husband Paul from attending the her daughter's birthday party? After he's released early from prison. Yeah.
0: That's it, yeah. There's also the dream sequence in this episode. I feel like it doesn't tell us anything that a narration necessarily wouldn't, but I at least like that they're trying to do something a little more visual rather than just giving yeah. us a narration. What was in the dream sequence again? Okay, at first Dexter's walking, and then Harry's like, you know, better get in, son. Storm's on its way, which is a kind oh, of oh, a... Oh. Which is, like, cliche, the storm coming. But then, yeah. you know... And then Dexter finds himself on his table with Deb going to kill him, yes. and then the and then the ice truck killer comes in and like dangles the um the bar the dismembered doll head right onto him, and then he wakes up as soon as Deb stabs him. But, That's a,
1: it's a lot of like just uh, it's kind of just like his anxiety is manifesting from the fact that he thinks he's going to get caught in this episode, right?
0: Yeah. Well, we kind of see like yeah, yeah his fear of Deb finding out who he is, his need for self preservation, and how he doesn't want the ice truck killer to emerge victorious in their little dance, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing I noticed was, uh turns out Dexter orders the M99 injection with the name Patrick Bateman, which is a reference yeah. to American Psycho. Oh,
1: cool. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, that's the name no. of the main character. What's interesting is that, because uh, Patrick Bateman's narration in American Psycho is very much like Dexter's. It's like really flat and ironic. Okay. Kinda. So I, hey, you can. I'll just say, I think Dexter gets a lot of that narration from American Psycho, particularly the book.
1: See, uh, I appreciate the the reference, but uh, that that's not the best place to put it because uh, why would you use that as a pseudonym? Exactly, <laughs> that's not subtle. It's
0: like, oh, Patrick Bateman. That's the name of that serial killer character, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also in this episode is Liquarta trying to bond with the kid in the trunk, but I don't feel like it has much of a payoff, really.
1: Not really. Um, it it I, kind of just shows like a little bit more compassion a side of her. Yeah, which is nice, I guess, because like you're mostly early season one seeing her as like a hard ass. Yeah. Um, but it, it, no, it doesn't actually go anywhere. The kid's uncle shows up, and then that's the end of that.
0: Yeah, overall, I think this episode definitely was a come down from the last episode, just because of all the potboilery mechanics and like the will they catch him and will they won't, which we all know they won't playing out. So yeah, uh, the next episode is much more moves the plot much more. That's where we get the fake ice truck killer. Huh? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, which
1: which at first like seems convincing-ish enough that it's him. Other than see, I was I was convinced more than Dexter was. I don't know if it's just how the actual show chooses to frame who they catch kind of thing first, but like Dexter's doubts, like that can't be him, like that can't be the actual ice truck killer, seems more, seems to be more like seems to come more from the fact that like he was building up who this person would be kind of thing, to be this like greater force this, this like almost superior serial killer to himself, um that like when he actually saw who was doing this kind of thing or who everybody thought was doing this, he was like, "Oh no, this can't be the real guy. Like my my serial killer would be better than this." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're you're definitely right. That all, part of it is Dexter just being disappointed by it. yeah, you know, because Dexter's like the real killer would think it's pathetic to stuff roadkill, you know. But I think like it's telegraphing. The fact that he's a fake because like all the stuff that we see him doing, like living in that crappy, like little trailer house yeah, and, you know, having the abusive mother and, uh, you know, yeah, stuffing roadkill and stuff. It all feels like just very cliche serial killer behavior. So yeah. it's like it's almost like mocking like the standard cliches you would see. It's just like, of course, someone this trite and predictable couldn't be this master criminal who's been playing Dexter the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that part when they catch him with the hooker in the apartment and and he does that weird chanting. The
1: song? (laughs) Yeah like so freaking weird what do you know what he was singing
0: no i don't okay. i just thought, i just thought like right then and there i was like yeah he's not the ice truck killer that's just so ridiculous yeah <laughs> what he's doing it like if dexter caught him there i just imagine dexter be like would you just knock it off or, or something yeah. like that <laughs> that's but the thing.
1: It, it really seems like it, it's done up for a show kind of thing like yeah. the way that he's acting yeah the way that it's a little overdone
0: yeah, yeah. i think in this uh, we're also... De- Jeremy Downs comes back in this episode. He kills the the high school student and Dexter yes, rec- Dexter recognizes the the attack wounds Yeah, the guy. And then uh, Dokes gets uh, Jeremy and then Dokes lets off another steam on Dexter being like, I'm on to you, motherfucker. You have all these instincts about killers and stuff like that. Why is that? And that's just another one of Dokes bullying Dexter, basically. Yeah. Until Until Dexter goes to meet with Jeremy and, and he actually tries to give him a little more advice when Jeremy admits he's like I feel nothing even after killing that kid which obviously separates him from Dexter because Dexter kills to fill that empty void yeah. but Jer- Jeremy can't even get that and then Dexter mm-hmm. kind of tries to tries to say to him the way to make it feel less bottomless is to just pretend it's there for people maybe one day it will really be there yeah. but then but then Jeremy just ends up killing himself.
1: Yeah, the what actually happens there? Uh I was confused about Jeremy's death.
0: He cut himself on the spikes on his bed in prison. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. See the, the like the shot wasn't super clear when they like cuz it's not like they zoom in on his face and it's super obvious that it's him. Yeah. Like did Jeremy just kill his cellmate when I first saw it? Uh <laughs> But okay, that makes way more sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of weird is when dexter goes to see him right before they find out that he's killed himself and dexter's like you know i have this need to connect with somebody maybe jeremy could help me with that but then it's like oh wait jeremy did take my advice he killed someone who deserved to die it kind, uh, of, okay. fe- it kind of feels weird in the narration i don't know if this is intentional but it almost feels like dexter's like kind of opening up to the idea of actually connecting with somebody but then his default yeah. statement of keep away from from emotions kind of just kicks back in when he finds he's dead i don't know if that was i don't know if that was intentional on the writer's part but i think that comes across that way
1: no i I, like i I think that would have been kind of thing that that makes sense for them to try and write him that way like because the whole the whole point is like characters uh dexter's character develops to be like have more connections like that and this is still like season one it's like early attempts at that um, and it's someone that we already know that he's seen himself in. Uh, yeah. That they, they made very the, the writers definitely made it very obvious that uh, that Dexter sees himself in Jeremy. So yeah. no, it makes sense that he would want to yeah try and reach out and make that connection. But then Jeremy killing himself would shut
0: that right down. And uh, it also plays into Dexter's disappointment of the ice truck killer. But I do like it at the end when Dexter's like, "Oh, how did he find out all these things about me?" He's like hi when he goes to sit down with uh, Perry, who's the fake killer, and Perry's yeah. just like, Perry's like, who the fuck are you? And then you just hear that music kick in, He's and Dexter fucking. just smiles. Yeah, camera. that was a good way to end it. In terms of the other stuff in this episode, I think this is this is the first time we actually see Paul Rita's husband.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, is in uh, is in episode seven. Yeah,
0: he picks up the kids from school and then he drops them back at home. Yes, okay. My only problem is why doesn't Rita just call the cops? Because he's violating his uh the restraining order. Yeah. Why doesn't uh, she just and he and took the, the kids too? Yeah. And he took the kids without asking her. Which to. is kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, technically he did kidnap them. Like Rita could just call the cops. <laughs> no, the I know.
1: I was confused too why she didn't just immediately call the cops on him. Mm-hmm. Uh But also, I mean, like. I kind of would have screwed up all the Paul drama <laughs>
0: <laughs> to just take, take it away he, like that.
1: Yeah. He would have gotten in huge shit for kidnapping his own kids. <laughs> um, and yeah, none of the rest of the drama would have happened.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it's in this episode or the next episodes, but it's when he comes by and Dexter's there looking at after Astro and Cody, but, uh, Rita's not there and Paul's wants to come in and Dexter's like, uh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And then Paul kind of threatens him. Yeah, I think that's in
1: this episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Dexter says like, you know, he may be a a wife a abu- a crack using wife abusing Yahoo, but he refuses to abandon his kids. I'm not sure that's a good thing, entirely. In,
1: in talking more about Paul, like I, I kind of don't see him. I see him as like a very flawed character.
0: Yeah, like at
1: the same level of being like a psychopath or anything. Yeah, he's not
0: a he's not a psychopath, but he clearly has like traits like yeah, he's physically violent and he's also he's 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 manipulative (laughs) too.
1: Yeah, like that's why there's a big gap between. He's just a really shitty person uh, with drug problems, but that doesn't like exclude him from loving his kids. Yeah, a bunch of shitty people that love their kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying like, but it's similar to that Dexter also kind of has a sentimental attachment to kids. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm saying, I'm saying like maybe they're, they're a little similar to each other. And obviously there's that in that they're both chosen by Rita at some point in her life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing is like Paul, despite all of his like outward flaws still at his core, genuinely loves his kids. Yeah. Despite, uh, Like, Dexter has all of these, like, inner flaws kind of thing that he doesn't actually make outward uh, around these people, but he can't love Rita's kids.
0: Yeah, he clearly has an affection for them in a way, but it's not the same kind of thing at all. (gasps) No. Yeah, and like you said, Paul is more of just a flawed character rather than a full-on evil person, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Which I like. It could have been easy to make him kind of cartoonish, but at least, like... There's an attempt to make him more human in that way.
1: For sure. I mean, that's easy to do with kids.
0: This is also the um, episode where Deb hooks up with Rudy.
1: Yeah, which, uh, yeah, yeah, where he, okay, that's true. She starts to see Rudy. uh, Yeah, goes on a date with him. Okay.
0: I think, yeah, she ends up uh, telling her a little bit about her past, how she wasn't close to her dad and everything. He kind of just guesses that she has Daddy issues, which we all know he already knows, because of he's been observing their family for so long. Yeah, a a lot of people said it was at that moment they guessed who he was, but I would actually say I think it's the episode after this where we do find out who he is. Yeah,
1: the episode after is where it's made explicit. Yeah,
0: but the episode after this is when he he's saying to Deb, he's like, "I want to give, I want to make a cast of your legs to give to this other person for prosthetics." When the way he's just like lingering on Deb's legs I'm like, okay, I think I know who this guy is and at the end of the episode it confirmed it.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean like I just thought he was a creep but yeah it's one of the I don't remember exactly what kind of made it click. I likely had suspicions a little bit before but it would have been just like in this episode uh, which is nice like they they kind of established with the character for about two episodes before they really give you any reason to have an inclination as to knowing who he is.
0: One thing I I like that they're not playing a khaki, like who is the ice truck killer game with you, which I really admire that they didn't do that with. Yeah. <laughs> I also like just a little line. I like when Jeremy says to Dexter, he says like, I can't stand living my life in my head. And then Dexter in his monologue says, I know exactly what he means. Yeah, I, kind of, I like that line because it's a little more layered than people would say. It's like living my life in my head. It's like not being yourself to other people, but it's also right. like, you live in your head, not feeling these emotions that other people do. So I feel yeah. like it work. It's a line that kind of works on those two levels that I think deserves a little bit of credit.
1: Um, like the and I feel like the third level it works on is actually uh has to do with the medium of him having the voiceover. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which I like because they they do refer to it that way in a couple other instances, kind of thing where like when he's talking about like the voice in his head. The yeah. voice in his head is the... Like,
0: the dark passenger. There.
1: No, but, like, the, the voice in his head is the monologue that you hear over the show. Yeah. Whenever you hear him talking over the show, it's just his internal monologue. And you even have times, like, uh, in season two with Lila, um, they like, when they're having sex kind of thing, he's like, oh, well, the voice is quiet now and there hasn't been any sort of voiceover for a while oh that's uh, interesting so it, like yeah i saw stuff like that
0: little bit of meta self-reference <laughs> yes. going on there <laughs> that's interesting that's kind of interesting that it wouldn't beat you over the head with that which is nice
1: no no i don't because like i don't know how intentional it was either
0: no uh, but, that, but that's just funny that's a funny thing to pick up on though uh, i think
1: it's just because i don't like the voiceover yeah <laughs> i focused on it too much <laughs>
0: you gotta yeah. be like okay they've gotta they gotta be aware of the shittiness um, of these, of what they're <laughs> these doing, yeah um, oh, no, it had
1: its moments that's all
0: yeah um yeah the next episode um we get another killer of the week thing but this one's actually kind of interesting because he's the, he's the psychiatrist who uh manipulates his wealthy female patients into suicide
1: yeah that was an yeah. interesting one uh like i liked uh the 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 psychiatrist that he was seeing like or the psychologist that
0: actual character i mean dexter always shows his true face to the people he kills but in this we're actually seeing him like a guy who's actually kind of helping him really understand himself in a way which is is interesting
1: obviously this boy needs a psychiatrist or a psychologist like therapy wouldn't be bad for dexter um but the issue is going to therapy would mean him actually telling a therapist that he's a serial killer, (laughs) which you get to see, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Um, The psychiatrist uh, Meridian, that's his name. He, you know, he sees through Dexter's mask right away, but he can't see fully to the other side.
1: Yeah. He he sees that there is a mask, right? Yeah. It becomes clear to him that he's putting up some sort of front. um, And he spots a lot of like the tactics that Dexter uses to like, keep that front and to kind of redirect stuff uh which was i i thought interesting to kind of uh see pointed out from more of like a psychological perspective
0: yeah like he says to like when dexter's like oh what about you he's like you see what you did there you just took control of the conversation i bet you do that a lot and you get away with it most of the time which is true mm-hmm.
1: because like that that's i like stuff like that because psychology is analytical Yeah. Uh, And it becomes a self-aware analysis from within the show of Dexter, right? So it becomes pretty blatant, um, kind of showing you how Dexter works a bit more when you have someone like that, like, analyzing him.
0: Yeah, he kind of says how, you know, because Dexter was a foster kid, there was that one point where he felt helpless in his life, so that's why he needs that control (laughs) so much, those deep sea issues. And we get the first instances of the flashback when he find out what kind of made him who he was in this episode. Yeah, true, yeah. When he kind of uses that therapy technique on him, but we, he doesn't get the full uh, no. the full thing there. <laughs> yeah,
1: the idea being that like he he starts to get glimpses of stuff that he's repressed in th- like uh using techniques in therapy, but it's really over the next few episodes that like things start flooding back to Dexter, starts actually remembering the the trauma kind of thing that made him who he is. <laughs> So the show
0: puts it. I like this episode because it's like a more character-driven psychological episode because of that. Yeah. As opposed to the last episode, which is very plot-heavy. But uh, also with Dexter and Rita, like Rita wanting to have a real sexual relationship with Dexter. It's clear before that Dexter feels like doing that would help, would make him lose control of a relationship, exposing himself like that.
1: Yeah. But
0: in, in this, it's like his therapy with Meridian actually kind of like makes him go out, do that relationship with Rita because he feels like he's losing her in a way. And by giving her what she wants, it allows him to maintain a kind of control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's kind of, it becomes like keep taking one hand off the wheel to still at, like, still have some sort of control kind of thing. Like keep one hand on the wheel instead of two. Yeah. Uh, at least as far as like him starting to try and have a, a sex life with rita something that he was worried uh would yeah make him lose control at least it in the long run he can think yeah it makes them keep the relationship kind of thing because he'd lose her without it
0: i it also raises the question because when he has sex with with her you know rita likes it and is like very reciprocal yeah towards them. so it kind of brings the question if is dexter genuinely connecting with rita at this point or does he still just using her as like a pin cushion to make himself look normal like is the relationship really starting to evolve at this point
1: see uh i i ended up thinking of it more as like were was dexter's paranoia kind of baseless like the idea that like what uh harry told him kind of thing like oh be careful because like a woman will see who you are when you have sex with her kind of thing. When you're intimate, she'll see that there's nothing inside of you. But then, like, we see Dexter do exactly that, and Rita doesn't really seem to see that. Because, like, th- how realistic of an idea... Like, that that's a poetic thought, but is it realistic? I, uh,
0: I, yeah, because, like, a lot of psychopaths, and even just, like, people who are impaired emotionally do have physical relationships like that with people and their partners don't see through it immediately. So it's not entirely believable. And like you said, it does feel kind of slightly baseless, even if like they're trying to go for a more artistic notion of it.
1: Yeah. uh, But it it kind of just to me becomes more about Dexter uh, realizing that like, that was a little bit more baseless of a, a paranoid thought kind of thing. And that he can move on with his relationship now that he's gotten past that,
0: thanks to Meridian. It's funny when Dexter admits that he's a serial killer huh, to Meridian. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, like, oh, like, that's <laughs> great. That felt good. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But uh, I also like how he ties up Meridian's mouth when he's going to kill him. It's Because like, he's already done his confessions <laughs> and yeah. using him to talk to. So he doesn't need any more at that point. <laughs>
1: uh what is there one thing that like uh it didn't bother me that much but uh dexter asks meridian like why why did you target like powerful women kind of thing yeah um and and, like he doesn't actually get an answer out of him i feel like it's an easy enough read as to why he would do that uh but like i don't know part of me just wanted to hear the, the psychologist say it to some extent uh yeah. One thing I, he's usually looking for a straight confession like
0: that, right? Yeah. One thing I didn't like is when he's describing Meridian's describing like their dark sides. He's like, We all got to accept we have a big bad wolf inside of us. I kind of yeah. thought the dialogue may be a little bit tacky, huh? a little bit, but I guess it's kind of like hard to come up with a clever way of saying we all have that dark side because it's such a played yeah. out it's kind of notion at that point. But that's a minor complaint overall. Yeah. Like, and I don't even mind that, like,
1: because, yeah, the the use of, like, Big Bad Wolf is a little, like, childish, right? Yeah. But it also, it kind of softens the idea of uh this dark side kind of thing. That can be really ominous and hard to deal with, but, like, if you kind of infantilize it a bit and be like, it's the Big Bad Wolf inside you, like, people can have an easier time kind of dealing with these concepts.
0: Yeah, and then... Yeah, and it makes sense a psychiatrist would say that to their patient to yeah, not exactly, agitate them. Right. When you said about Meridian's motives, it's easy to read that like, yeah, he's there's probably a bit of misogyny involved yeah, there, and he also he just wants power, he
1: like, complex and stuff there between. He
0: yeah. Wants these people have power and he wants to take it away from them. It's yeah. it's easy to figure out. It's not doesn't necessarily need it, but for sure,
1: no, that's why. Like I, I, I like that they chose not to have him just straight up say it because it wasn't necessary for his character. But just, like, my own satisfaction, I'm like, say it, bitch, <laughs>
0: <laughs> The show spills out everything. Huh? We don't need more spilling outs, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like
1: that, That's also, at this point in the show, that's kind of become, like, part of Dexter's ritual, right? Yeah. Like, Dexter's ritual becomes a ritual for us, especially in, like, an episodic TV show. Like, when you're talking about, like, his kill of the week and stuff, um, it's very, like, structured. And usually you get, like, that confession from the person and where they yeah spill everything and then uh, they die and then we move on and then the episode wraps up right
0: yeah um, and at the end of this episode we learn that Rudy is really the ice truck killer <laughs> dun,
1: dun, dun. yeah okay. it's
0: um how do they reveal it at the end of the episode well Uh, dexter sent out that little message saying hey ken i'm in pieces you know oh yes
1: they just show rudy writing the email right and
0: and then he goes into his little refrigerator and he's there with a new victim all cut up
1: okay yes yes that's true right yeah all wrapped up on the table
0: yeah so right there we kind of know rudy's the killer but we still don't know the full extent of who he is right there
1: (laughs) yeah we just know like that he's the ice truck killer kind of thing that he's the serial killer that's been kind of uh, challenging Dexter and killing all these people.
0: Also uh, the shirt he's wearing, uh, I can't describe it exactly, but it looks like two people are kind of like swimming away from something in different directions. In that scene, it's kind of like obviously symbolic because it's like, not symbolic in like a larger sense, but it makes sense because it's like two of them going different ways from the same founding issue, which we don't, fully know yet but we will when we find it out i
1: i hadn't noticed that but that's a nice little detail uh especially yeah yeah knowing what happens later okay yeah so that becomes the end of yeah that's right at the end of that episode so okay you got episode nine father knows best
0: yeah this is the one where we find out dexter's biological father was oh yes okay okay but it doesn't start with that actually it starts mainly with dox's subplot where he kills the guy Uh huh yeah. On the bridge. At first, we're kind of like, OK, what was that? And then it turned out it was some it was a war criminal who committed atrocities from when Dokes was in special forces. Yeah. And there's a whole conflict with Angel kind of being like, well, should I say the right thing? Should I say like what the honest thing was? But I think it's more interesting from Dokes's perspective the dokes angle because it shows that dokes is sim- more similar to dexter than he would admit because like he is dealing out his own personal brand of justice yeah In this one scene, against someone he felt deserved to die yes um uh,
1: but like that that's the other thing too is that dokes's code is a, a little more rigorous like when you hear about like the war criminals and the the crimes that they're committing and stuff they're like oh, yeah, like, the mothers were walking around with, like, the heads of their children and stuff and, like, fathers. They were forcing fathers to rape their daughters. Like, these are war criminals to the nth degree. So I'm like, okay, like, yeah, that's...
0: Maybe yeah, you
1: under a bridge, too,
0: huh? It's also... Dokes doesn't have, like, the full-on ritual. It was just, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing. He recognized the guy, and it just probably brought back all those Before, traumatic yeah. memories. Yeah.
1: Actually, like, he's personally tied to it as well. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, Dexter's is a lot more detached.
0: Yeah, but it's kinda, it also shows that, like, Dokes does have killer instincts trained yeah. from his time in the military, but the difference is, like, yeah, there is a more personal, emotional aspect to it versus Dexter's sort of empty detachment. <laughs> So I think, like in terms of just having a subplot, I think that one works well because it's setting up okay. up a character who becomes much more significant.
1: Yeah, and it's setting it, and it's also an important enough aspect to that character kind of thing. And also, like I I didn't hate uh like Angel's parts in that subplot kind of thing, just because it's I mean it's mostly just reaffirming his character. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. It was it wasn't in like a tiring way. It wasn't like, yeah, I know this about Angel kind of thing. Um, like, his, I was a little more invested in his part uh, of that plot.
0: I do like it how after it's all cleared and someone tries to give Angel shit for snitching on yeah. Dokes. And Dokes kind of gives the guy shit. He's like, show Angel some respect, give him an apology. It does show something that Dokes, even though he did kill this guy, he still values Angel as a as a coworker. <laughs> yeah, shows shows something about Dokes there.
1: and it, it just like it, it redeems dokes uh, as well, uh, which is nice because like he he's still at this point built to be an unlikable character. yeah. um, and it takes a lot of little moments like that and some bigger moments towards the end to really make him a much more likable and redeemable character. But like the, fr- from the start of season one, they they built him to be unlikable.
0: so moving on from that, which was which yeah. I think was done well. Uh, the main plot of Dexter find out who his real father was. I think this is the first time where we sense that Harry lied to Dexter, which begins yeah. Dexter's kind of identity crisis, which lasts from here till throughout season two, pretty much as well. Because we we find out like Harry said like oh Dexter's parents died in a car accident, but then it turned out his dad was alive, just five hours away huh? the entire yeah. time. And we also learned that Rudy. was was responsible for killing Dexter's dad. Like, we know he was injected with a kind of insulin, like a diabetic insulin that killed him. But Dexter's unable to really look further because they cremate the body.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Which, like, was kind of, I mean, convenient timing. But it it worked for the story.
0: (laughs) There's also that part when uh, they're cleaning up the house and, like, Dexter's, you know using duct tape and trash bags and Rudy's, like, playing around with a knife trying to cut things up. It's like they're flaunting their kill tools skills. Right, yeah, right in front of Rita and uh, and Deb, but they just don't know it. I thought that was kind of a funny little detail.
1: Yeah, uh, the, that was quite funny. Uh, they make it quite obvious kind of thing. The, the, the shots are, are done well there, showing that, like, they're a little too good at these things that they're doing, and... <laughs> really kind of just played for dramatic irony again, uh, because obviously we know who they are, but neither of them knows who, or well, I mean, Dexter doesn't know who Rudy is, and none of the other supporting characters know who either of them really are. Uh, So no, it it just made for Yasum fun shots as they're just montage cleaning up the place.
0: We also get a sense that Deb also idolizes Harry too. Oh, of course. Like, I mean, Yeah, because you know what I mean. She's like angered that Dexter would have the the uh, DNA test that proved that the guy was his real dad. She's like, you know, you never da- doubted Dad before. Why now? I'm your real I family, not Sky. guy. Too. But like, I can see why because like, well, Deb again, it's her emotionality, but it's also like yeah. you know, Deb Deb's built her whole life on impressing. Her dad, like she became a yeah. cop, very much to impress Harry, even though he's long gone. So it kind of feels like when he's brought into question, it's kind of questioning her whole own way of life. That he, this guy kept a secret like that. Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's more the implication that like he would have tried see because to me it's like oh yeah what he lied about this thing, but it's more about like the idea that he would keep a secret like this, which seems I I don't know if that distinction makes means much to uh like because i'm like oh yeah maybe he like lied about uh who his father was kind of thing it, it, i don't it's from the outside perspective which like you learn why he like why harry ended up lying about certain things yeah um but then also from deb's perspective the idea that like he would even keep a secret this big is so uh like upsetting to her kind of thing from her actual perspective of harry Yeah. Which makes more sense. But at first, when I watched it, I was like, chill out, Deb.
0: (laughs) It kind of makes sense. Dexter would bring it into question because he always felt like Harry was the only one whose truths he could keep all the time, right? He
1: listed you as his his son in his will. Like, how could you not ask? I think that's what was bothering, like, bothersome for me. is like, the yeah. whole time you're, like, no, this is a mistake. Like, so, <laughs> someone must have wrote the wrong name in the will. They wanted Dexter Jordan. And, like, <laughs> so, like, they're playing it off as, like, some, mis- like, clear mistake kind of thing. But, like, obviously to everyone else, it's, like, no, of course this was your dad. Like, your your biological dad. Your father lied to you. Um, so it's just like the, the idea of getting so upset when he questions that seemed ridiculous because to the viewer it was so obvious already, yeah,
0: yeah. it wouldn't have just pulled this in, and it turned out to be a mistake, obviously yeah. you know when uh when Rudy's talking to Dexter when they're uh scattering the ashes, I yeah. feel like them in that moment talking about parents, it kinda I think it sets up r- who Rudy really is in that yeah. moment. Kind of foreshadow it that was that who he really turns out to be
1: for sure. I mean, there is just like all of this talk and interaction about family and yeah, parents and stuff. Is yeah, are there any other major like plot points in that? Oh, oh, there's the uh, Dexter ends up finding the the card in the house, right?
0: Uh, what which card?
1: The the card that Dexter wrote when he had to, and then there's the whole flashback about how. he got the scar on his body there and that he needed blood um, and that uh, yeah like Harry actually got Dexter's biological dad to be a blood donor so yeah and then the idea is yes Dexter sends out this handmade car to whoever donated the blood because Harry doesn't actually tell him um, and Dexter ends up finding it in his biological dad's house so it becomes a pretty clear connection right there like yeah I also thought that was funny yeah. Uh, just all of like the, the show, like Dexter's fixation on blood. He's the blood's bladder analyst. Blah blah blah. And then it, the connection is like a the, through blood. B he needs a blood transplant. C the card has a little syringe <laughs> with blood on it. Like everything was a little bit uh, on the nose when it came to the blood angle.
0: <laughs> yeah. One thing in this episode is that I think Rita denies Paul to take the kids to the amusement park yes but but at first i was like why doesn't a court supervisor just go along there and also when paul just um calls dexter when he not dexter calls rita and she's like how is dex dear old dexter dealing with dead dad i'm like wow that's a really terrible line yeah oh god
1: but also like see i don't judge that that much because like paul's kind of a shithead and then he was
0: drunk too so, I know, but it's it's still just kind of cringy to hear that a yeah. that a writer wrote that.
1: Yeah, see, but like that's the thing is, I, I would purposefully, as a writer, want to write something cringy there, because like you, it, it makes Paul's character and his actions cringy. Uh, but, but like, but I get but what it's, you mean like,
0: <laughs> right. it's, it's it. It doesn't even feel like it's writing, but it's one of those things. It writes cringy to portray cringiness. It's that, like, oh, that's it was, bad.
1: It <laughs> came out, yeah. Someone just wrote it cringy.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think that covers that episode. But uh, the next episode, I think, is pretty good. Uh, Seeing Red is what it's called. Uh, yeah. This is the one where we learn... Of Dexter's mother and everything and he first gets the flashback in a really cool scene when just the way it's shot when he's uh um, go, going to the the hotel room where Rudy's put all the blood and yeah. then like he has and like the way he's walking down the hall it kind of looks like um some it's like very eerie it's kind of something out of a Spike Lee movie Spike Lee often has it where he seems like characters are like floating when they're walking oh, okay. and even like the bit when um he's in the room and he sees the blood, but you hear the soundtrack kind of become like, it, it almost becomes like diegetic noise, like almost in Dexter's head. Over yeah. It, that almost feels very like a Lynchian kind of technique. Almost. Think,
1: like, It's cool. It's really just to like symbolize this shift into his own, like flashbacks and stuff. Uh And that like you're, you're shifting into like, cause even Dexter's character is kind of he, he in reality he's in this like walking into this room, but then as these things flash back, he kind of has this shift into his own head and and his his own memories. So it becomes a really cool way of kind of showing that and, and making it yeah a little more clear for the viewer.
0: And later when Rudy comes to talk to him, obviously we know that Rudy is doing this to pull, pull Dexter closer to who he really is, but yeah. Dexter doesn't know it.
1: For clarity the idea that like the flashback is of him uh like laying in a pool of blood as a child uh of like right. yeah while his mother is being murdered in front of him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not just murdered, he's like dismembered Remembered with, with, with a chainsaw alive. Yeah. Along with like three other people it seems to uh Dexter also has to deal with Paul in this episode. Oh which yeah. I do not like the whole thing with Paul threatening to Press charges against Rita because it's clear like Paul came into the house drunk and belligerent.
1: Yeah. At
0: that point, so it just feels like kind of a melodramatic thing. But it's taken care of when Dexter knocks his ass <laughs> unconscious and then sets yeah. him up for his drug use. Which, by the way, another funny narration line is like after like Dexter makes that angry face as he smacks him over the head with the frying pan, yes. and then and it just cuts to Dexter uh, making like an oh shit face, and then okay. in his voiceover he's like. Harry's rule was never get emotionally involved. Like, yeah. I think this is why. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really funny <laughs> how that was handled.
1: Yeah, But uh, was it, to, to go back to... Um, Paul, ever since his introduction, is kind of hinted as a character that Dexter is going to have to take care of in some sort kind of thing because he's proving to be quite a problem uh, to Rita and to, like his kind of, like, a relationship with Rita um, and what he's using it for. So, like, Dexter is obviously going to end up doing something to Paul. Uh, So, like, obviously, I was kind of waiting... just waiting for it to happen at this point.
0: Oh, it's predictable that, like, you know Dexter's going to be in conflict with him at some point. But I never expected Dexter would actually kill him, though, because, yeah, he doesn't fit the code.
1: No, he doesn't fit the code. Uh, But that's the thing, is, like, I also... Part of me never expected Dexter to, like, completely adhere to the code all the time. Mm. Um, Which, I mean, like, he has done quite well to this point, actually, uh, in the two seasons that we've watched. But, like, it's one of those... I don't know. Part of me was always because he's established as this, like, serial killer who kind of has to keep, like, keep the reins in a bit kind of thing. Um, Especially when you're talking about, like people that he's actually emotionally invested in uh and with it seems likely that when he is going to break the code these are some of the characters that it might happen with right
0: yeah it's also he admits to himself that he was emotionally involved because um you know in one sense it could be like oh he's taking care of paul so that like rita doesn't have problems which means he doesn't have problems in their relationship but it also means like by admitting that he got emotionally involved it means like there is a sliver that he was doing it to protect kids yeah yeah so like there's a little bit of moment of self-awareness that he's doesn't really have for a lot of the show
1: yeah Uh, i mean like that's definitely nice because like it's you can see it in how impulsive he is like dexter is not an impulsive character but then all of a sudden he just can't control himself and swings a pan at his head um (laughs) which is yeah not like him uh but especially then on top of his actual acknowledgement of him being emotionally involved uh it it really kind of just emphasizes that in like yeah you you can see that in his actions
0: do you think it's a little bit strange that dexter isn't able to see through rudy or that he's not the least bit suspicious of rudy Because uh, we, we know that Dexter can see, like, through crocodile tears before. But how yeah. is he unable to see it through Rudy? And this is the guy who's been fucking with him this whole season.
1: I think it's because Rudy is a lot better at putting up that front than Dexter is.
0: True. I mean, that's
1: kind of, like, the that's kind of meant to be clear with his character. Um, that's why he's able to, like... You you see how he connects with Deborah, kind of thing. It's miles ahead of how of any of Dexter's attempts to connect with Rita, right? Yeah. Like his attempts to connect with Rita and other characters feel a lot more forced. Obviously, some of that comes from like his internal dialogue and stuff. Like you know it's forced, so it feels forced. Yeah. But like Rudy seems really good at it. Yeah. Like even good at putting that front up and being yeah like two faced.
0: Because even when we see him having sex with Deb right before we find out he's the ice truck killer, it yeah. seems like there's a real genuine connection, connection he yeah. has to Deb's feelings, which he obviously doesn't. And but even he's really Deb, good at it. like
1: Deborah is like, "This is the this feels like the first time that I'm actually making love, not having sex." Yeah, which means that like that's kind of what uh, I feel like emphasized at the most was that scene, uh, especially after like. Dexter's whole conflict about having sex and stuff as a, a serial killer. Yeah, the idea that like uh, Rudy is good enough to literally perform better than people who aren't serial killers. Yeah, uh, in Dev's history, kind of thing. Uh, just kind of yeah, it, it just feels like he's uh, Rudy's better at it.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say there might be some potential dumbest possible action tropes in this episode i was thinking like with dexter knocking out paul like because there is always that chance that dexter attacking them of yeah. course so it's kind of like why would dexter take that chance but it's at least understandable that it was an impulse of the moment yeah thing there but and with rudy when he goes to attack angel after angel questions him after he sees the the hooker with the uh the painted fingernails the nails. yeah you uh, but at least they're like why would rudy just risk attacking a cop but at least like the idea was that he just made it look like a carjacking. Exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it wasn't like the ice truck killer attacked angel. It was just going to look like a typical mugging type thing.
1: Yeah. Like it was in a parking garage kind of thing. Uh, at, like at night and he was just like ski mask on. It wasn't the ice truck killer's MO. It's not like he tried to straight up ice truck kill him. Um, he, yeah, he just exactly, it, it was thought out differently. Uh, yeah.
0: And then, what gives it away, Rudy, away to Dexter, is the result of Angel fighting back against Rudy because he gave him the the fat lip when he yes. headbutted him. But at least like that was like something that Rudy couldn't have anticipated. Like he didn't predict Angel would have hit him like that.
1: No. You yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. So like I was gonna say that's a potential like melodrama, dumbest possible action thing. But at least there's like justification for it in the story with those actions
1: no for sure um is that it still seems reasonable um and like it makes sense within the characters and it also like it works well as like uh as it becomes like a hint for dexter kind of thing one of the pieces that he puts together uh it made for like a satisfying like solution um despite the fact that we know it was fun to see like it was satisfying to see dexter put it together kind of thing yeah based on what he had yeah
0: yeah, that happens in the next episode, which we'll talk about. The next episode is the first time the word, uh, the Dark Passenger, is used. Because, you know, that's what Dexter calls his urge yeah. to kill. Which, he says that a lot more in Season 2, but this I is, think...
1: I See, I only remember it, obviously, from Season 2 there, from, uh, like, when he's in N.A.
0: Yeah, but, but the, this yeah. is the first time it's mentioned in his monologue. Okay. Yeah, but it's kind of... The Dark Passenger, it's obviously just, like, a poetic way of describing his... His urges and his needs yeah but uh in the books though i read that um it's like the dark passenger is literally like a spirit that has possessed dexter to doing these things oh god okay which That's i'm uh, which i'm thank thankfully they did not do that in the show that <laughs> is uh yeah uh, uh but anyway yeah with the- think of bob <laughs> bob from john yeah. peaks yeah Oh okay, <laughs> like oh, a God. dark
1: spirit that possesses him to do these things. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, I'm glad I didn't take that angle.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Uh, yeah, no. But anyway, it's a lot more.
1: Yes, it's just like a, a
0: metaphor kind of thing. Yeah, in this episode, uh the hooker who Angel talked to uh, last episode with the painted fingernails goes back to Rudy. Uh-huh, yeah. After like you know, but angel like questioned her about like that client and it's very clear it's a cop question it's like why would she go back to to him like that felt contrived
1: a little bit um but like my also my expectation is like uh, you expect some characters to act more rationally and intelligently than others and the one-handed prostitute was not highest on my list of like she's gonna do the smartest thing possible
0: I'm not saying. I'm just saying, like you can see the writer's hands in that moment. The fact that she would even go back to him, and yeah. it's obviously, and it's obviously he kills her just to um, distract the tie cops.
1: to like, yeah, yeah. She was a loose end that he had left untied, um, and that almost got him caught through like Angel, right? Yeah. So that's where he tried to kind of tie up both those loose ends by attempting to kill Angel and then killing. Uh, the the one-handed
0: prostitute. Also in this episode, Rudy starts moving really fast with Deb and then as Deb realizes that like there's a refrigeration unit that the killer is using. Yeah. And, and in a and the killer must live in a specific area. For oh. it, and it, and it's like you know Rudy has the refrigeration unit, it's right?
1: Not, like it's but <laughs> does she like
0: like, it's in plain view in his apartment, you
1: know? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, that bothered me, too, is that, like, this dude just has a giant walk-in freezer, like, or, or fridge in his apartment building, mm-hmm. and nobody questions it. Not that anybody goes to his apartment all that much. Before, I mean, Deb
0: Deb is, but I Deb guess Deb is a little, be like, yeah. Deb's a little blind because of her love for him, but yeah. even then, it's like, I, I don't it's know, like...
1: Oh cool, we're done being making googly eyes and having sex. Like, what's in that giant walk-in fridge? Like questions <laughs> like that would come
0: up. Uh yeah. And then at the end of the episode, Rudy takes Deb hostage of course and goes off on the boat. Yes. Just a, just yeah. Just just as De- just as Dexter realizes that Rudy is the ice truck killer. <laughs> Which then bleeds into the se- season finale.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh which, Born Free, yeah, the reference to the song that they play.
0: Born uh, Free, of all that's human.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, like, did did you get anything from that song choice other than, like, the clear connection that they make? Not really, because it's just yeah. kind of
0: explicitly stated. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I will say, though, when Dexter's tearing up his apartment, you know, and he's, like, looking for a clue that Rudy might have left him... And I feel like it's kind of what Rudy wants him to do. Like, you know what I mean? This orderly fake life Dexter's living, he's like turning it upside down and stuff like that. I kind of feel like it might be just somewhat metaphorical for that in a way. Yeah,
1: looking for something kind of thing that obviously uh, Rudy's trying to make him find.
0: uh, He's doing it by having him just tear the fake, like, clean apartment (laughs) exterior inside out. (laughs) So I just feel like the fact that there's like, Oh, tearing down tearing down that facade, right? But yeah, I, I thought when you were going to say like that's
1: what he wanted him to do, it was more just because like um the idea that he's been kind of like leading him on and leaving these clues for Dexter this whole time and then now that like you're kind of at the 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 pinnacle of the conflict and stuff, he kind of doesn't leave him anything. Yeah. He kind of just takes Deb and runs and is like Dexter will find me. he will show up. <laughs>
0: even like born free though that's not much of a clue to go off of but aside from the born part being where dexter was born Mm -hmm. what does he say he's like something nameless was born in that shipping yard that like lives in the empty hole that is dexter morgan or something like that which is a little purple prosy Mm -hmm. in that yeah we see dokes already is suspicious of He's been suspicious of Dexter throughout the whole se- season, but he knows now that Dexter knew more than he was letting on. Yeah. And then, like, when he confronts him in the shipping yard, when he's looking for Deb, and then, like, Dexter shows his moves on him, and Dokes like, yeah, lab geek, my ass. It's, like, right there that, like, Dexter let down his guard, and he showed, like, who he really was in that moment. <laughs> funny he let down his guard
1: by not letting down his guard
0: yeah exactly he let down (laughs) his guard by he let down his guard by showing how good he was he was at guarding himself
1: yeah um no which is like a fun setup see that's i mean we'll get more to it when we talk about the end of season two um but this season does a lot better at setting up uh the show onward kind of thing
0: Yes. Whereas,
1: like, um, the end of season two really ties things off with a neat bow. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of made like, I, I binged through season one and two pretty quickly, but getting to the end of season two, I mean, like, I I didn't want to watch more because I kind of just wanted to have these two seasons in my head when we talked about it. Yeah. But also, like, I didn't have that same pull to keep watching that I had kind of watching through the show because it really they don't leave too many threads. Uh, by the end of season two,
0: I will say the rest of the show is that like season three is uneven, not that great, and season four everyone loves season four because of how good John Lithgow is in the role of the killer in that season. But oh. season f- but season four is basically just a retread of the same structure as the first season of like the cat and mouse game between Dexter and the killer who has similarities to him.
1: Okay, yeah. It's just
0: it's just elevated by how good the actor was. So. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much that. But we're not talking about the whole series. No, no, no. But like with this, uh, yeah, we get the revelation here that Rudy is actually Brian and is Dexter's biological brother who was there when their mother was killed. And mm-hmm. But unlike Dexter, he remembered the whole thing and was never the taken in. Yeah. He was never taken in. Uh, by an adoptive family because I think it says like when Harry saw him, Harry thought Dexter could have been saved because he was three. Whereas Brian was, I think like five or six. Yeah. Like they
1: talk about how like he could see it in Brian's eyes already kind of thing. Right. That
0: Brian was far too damaged to be helped. I will say like, uh, the long lost evil sibling thing that definitely is a soap operatic device.
1: No, like the, the lost brother, like, (laughs) Kind of, yes, felt
0: very much in that vein, yeah. But at the same time, given what it's set up, it wouldn't really make sense if he was anybody else other than a relative of Dexter.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like, they, they'd they been building to, like, something, and they like, there was a lot of hints to family connection, um, and, yeah, it, it wasn't super clear exactly who he was, uh, whether it was his brother like, that's the thing. I didn't really click that it was his brother until Dexter gets to his, his mother's house kind of thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's standing in the yard having these memories, and he's like, okay, yeah, it's his brother. But, yeah. like, until then, it, it wasn't super clear what that connection was, but that it was, obviously, there was some sort of family connection other than just, uh, yeah, it wasn't just a random serial killer trying to play with Dexter.
0: Yeah, I like it when, that turns out Dexter always called him Biny when he was a baby. <laughs> And he still calls him name even after. Yeah.
1: Which, I mean, is cute, uh, but a little jarring. Yeah. Context. Yeah.
0: But I think it's clear that, like, Brian, when Brian wants Dexter to, like, embrace who he really is, is just a killer. Uh, it's clear, I think, Brian is, like, jealous and kind of envious of the way Dexter grew up because Brian never had a family. He was just in group homes his whole life. And he just developed yeah. more and more into the psychopath he became. And, you know, Dexter was, like, actually given a guidance in his in his life even if he did end up becoming a killer himself but he kind of brian kind of turns it like in an outward way where he views the code as like an aberration but i think it mostly so oh, yeah it, it mostly yeah but brian i think mostly it's just an internalized envy that dexter was actually able to grow up with like proper guidance yeah and and he despises harry because harry just rejected him
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like from like the second that he saw him, he was rejected by Harry. So there's, yeah, obviously uh, more than just the envy of family. It's also like seems to be an actual like hatred of Harry kind of thing for having left him behind.
0: Yeah. Well, Brian says like, you know. You don't have a code, Dexter, Harry did, and he's just been like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder all these 10 years, which unfortunately sets up post-season two. They get rid of the flashbacks with Harry. Okay. Okay. But instead, they just have Harry literally as, like, a Jiminy Cricket hallucination talking to Dexter. Ooh, I don't and know if I like that. Yeah. Oh, it gets pretty insufferable in places. <laughs> like a ghost talking
1: head just popping up.
0: <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, ghost dad. It's just that the whole fucking time. It's so oh, bad after okay. a while. Okay. <laughs> and he just states the fucking obvious every time it's i don't like it i just i much prefer the flashbacks
1: like but, see, as much as uh when we're talking about like the the brother reveal yeah. um as much as yeah it feels a little soap opery to have like the long lost secret brother and stuff um i think it becomes really nice to then have brian as like a super literal foil of dexter yeah cuz you get to have those like really really like direct comparisons like they're brothers they went through the exact same trauma uh, but then how they diverged kind of thing with their actual lives shows how they diverged as people yeah then uh, like there there's some interesting things when you think about like how uh we were talking earlier about how like when we were saying Rudy uh was really good at like Playing this character, having this mask kind of thing, convincing people that he was very genuine, um, but like Brian didn't grow up in a, a family like Dexter did, kind of thing. He grew up in these group homes uh, and kind of moving around a bit more. Like uh, I kind of wonder if that's what forced him to almost like develop this ability a bit more than Dexter did. Dexter kind of just got to be a little more sheltered, still broken, but like sheltered and didn't have to develop those skills as much. Um whereas yeah the Dexter kinda of, I mean uh Brian had to do a little bit more to kind of survive on his own and that that's what kind of gave I don't know made him develop those abilities a bit more.
0: Yeah and also it's like Dexter only really interacted with Harry and like Deb growing yeah. up. Most really of it whereas, sheltered yeah. Whereas Brian had to like interact with all these other kids and these You know, psych wards and these group homes and such, which one thing that's a little bit I find, okay. Angel gets his name, Brian, from, you know, because he finds he was, uh, you know, identified at a psych ward from where he was released from. But it's where they I know they say that, like, Harry destroyed the file uh, from Dexter's uh, from the accident where he found Dexter. (laughs) Yeah. But And he did it to protect Dexter so he couldn't learn about Brian and all the other things from his past. Uh, Brian, exactly, yeah. But it's kind of like you feel like the police would look at Brian's file at the hospital where he was from because it's clear that they had that and that would like link them back to Dexter because they would have to say like where he came from in that. Uh,
1: I, oh, like where the kid actually came from when they showed up to the hospital and stuff? yeah.
0: Or- like I mean, that's what uh, I, like I mean. Yes and no. Uh, like unless Harry forged documents or something, but I f- they don't really say that. It just feel, it just feels like a way to, they kind of just sidestep it so that like nobody yeah. would link it back to Dexter, which they easily could if they actually looked into Brian's past. You know.
1: Yeah, but that's a, I mean, like if they can make that connection in the first place, uh, this this is kind of like a kid who had, like, Brian becomes this kid with no family, um, who just gets picked up by the police, probably sent to the hospital, and then sent to some sort of, like, orphanage group home, uh, kind of deal, like, right after that, uh, there's not really that many people there to actually make that connection between the two of them, but I'm Obviously, saying, Harry. I'm- yeah.
0: No, I'm saying is that, like, these people, when they learn who he is, they could, like, reach into his past, especially, like, he's a notorious serial killer at this point. People oh. want to know his past, and it's like, oh, this is where he came from. He saw his mother murdered in a shipping yard, and then yeah. people could just do digging and find that Dexter was the other kid there, okay.
1: You're talking yeah, the other way around, like, yes, once Brian is kind of revealed as publicly as the killer – um. Yeah. No. The uh, <laughs> it would be hard for people to not tie things back to Dexter. Um, but they.
0: But they never do.
1: But I mean, like, yeah, that's again kind of uh, suspension of disbelief. You kind of have to believe that, like, Harry destroyed the records well enough. Yeah. Uh, and like, you you get that a lot from I, I forget the name of uh like the record keeper at the police office.
0: Uh, Camilla. Uh,
1: yeah um,
0: who is an old friend of the Morgans? I think yeah.
1: exactly yeah, and like the the kind of sentiment that you get from the conversations with Camilla is that like it's like Harry and her kind of thing did everything they could to make sure that these records never saw the light of day and like that's a decent amount of power like you you have the person in charge of the records at this um uh, like police department and a police officer who are like destroying all this evidence it becomes hard to kind of figure tie all those stories back together without that. Especially because, I mean, at this point it was also a long time ago. I don't know if they ever, no one ever actually in the show connects Brian to like the, the massacre and the shipping container and stuff. No, Those files have been destroyed anyways. So he's yeah. kind of just a random kid who was ended up in an orphanage because his parents died. That's about as far back as it goes.
0: Yeah. But I still feel like the orphanage or wherever would have to have known where he came from, even if it wasn't publicly huh, revealed. Yeah. You know, th- I'm just saying there's like a contrivance there to keep people away from Dexter's truth. That's what I'm saying. Huh? For sure,
1: yeah. And that's more just for the sake of the story. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, Also, you know, when, Doug, when uh, Brian tries to get Dexter to kill Deb, the symbolism is obvious. Dexter letting go of the fake life and yeah. stuff. I also want to say, does Brian, like, it feels like, you know, Brian's like, I'm the only one who really accepts you, Dexter. But does he truly, because he thinks Dexter's being not true to his nature, but can anybody ever really be true to their nature? You know what I, I mean? It's, like
1: if, it's not even in that philosophical sense of like, can anyone be true to their nature? I think it's more just about like them accepting the nature that they have in common.
0: Yeah. But Uh, the thing is, it's like, you know, all development internal and external kind of makes up a person in total. And like Brian was influenced by seeing their mother die. That's the only reason why he's doing what he's doing is because because of that. So he was also influenced by an external force, just like Dexter was. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. And also, I don't know. Does Brian not understand that? Like, Dexter is not a full psychopath, as thought, because it's clear, like. Dexter does have an emotional attachment to Deb, even if he doesn't want to come out and fully admit it to Brian. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting how Brian's able to put on that mask better, but he doesn't have emotional depth for anybody besides Dexter, in a way. And whereas Dexter is actually capable of greater emotions. Yeah, some
1: sort of emotion,
0: yeah. Or even just the notion of holding something higher than himself because he believes in the code, right? Yeah. Which
1: which yeah Brian could never do kind of thing. So, I think that, like Brian's assumption is that Dexter is more similar to himself than than like he actually thinks or like that was confusing. Uh but like you, you know what I mean uh the idea that like Brian thinks that Dexter is much more similar to Brian than he than Dexter actually is. Yes. Um, yeah, so like it makes sense that Brian would act that way kind of thing thinking like oh no Dexter is just like me he's just putting more effort into trying not to be kind of thing because he was taught to not be like me uh but I know what I am therefore I know what he is because we're the same we're brothers we went through the same thing so there's that assumption that they're they're really close like that uh but yes the whole point that they're trying to drive back is that like Dexter is different than his brother yeah. Um, he's not that full-blown, ser- like, serial killer. Especially when he's not that full-blown serial killer that, like, he's almost presented as at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Right when you they actually introduce the premise, like, Brian almost becomes uh, a symbol of that idea of, like, the, the pure serial killer. Um, and as trying to make, like, Dexter a little bit more uh empathetic of a character it's like yeah he's he's a serial killer but he's not brian like it's kind of a lot of what this season ends up doing
0: yeah there's some good ideas though at play like we said just the nature nurture and the relationship between them and how much of dexter is his own person versus who he the person he was molded to be and stuff there's some good ideas here especially given the premise of this show but uh with that um later when Dexter finally ends up killing Brian. I like it when he says like, you're not a trophy, but you need to be put down. Like he doesn't, he yeah. doesn't, you know what I mean? He doesn't collect the blood slide from him.
1: Exactly. Like, Which I think yeah. is nice.
0: And there's some good acting there when like my, with Michael C. Hall, when he's kind of like, cr- cr- not crying, but like it would be unrealistic if he just full blown cried in the yeah. corner, but it's like, he's clearly an emotional turmoil and he's playing that Well, and,
1: like, oh, for sure, like, the, the acting is done well in that scene. And then they also, they hammer it in a bit more because when, uh, the police department actually shows up and finds Brian's body kind of thing, yeah. thinking that it's a suicide, uh, I think, is it Makuza who looks at the, uh, the knife wound on his neck? And yeah. Yeah, there's clear hesitation at the beginning of the cut, um, and, and moves into, like, a, a cleaner cut kind of thing, which is indicative of a suicide, not a murder,
0: yeah, um, but but Dexter was obviously conflicted and hesitant to do that. So I, I thought
1: that, that was a cool thing to point out. Um, to kind of just yes, hammer in that idea a bit more. And also it makes the it's fun because it both makes the uh the, the framing of it being a suicide more believable, yeah. while also kind of reinforcing that that idea that it was difficult for Dexter.
0: I like the ending bit when the narration when he's like, I think these people would be happy if they knew I drained my brother of his blood. In fact, I think they would be happy a of the lot of the work I did. And it shows like the parade. It was like, we yeah, love I Dexter. And we then like that. everyone's like, you know, cheering on. De- Even Deb's was, like, like jumping size. at him. By- <laughs> yeah,
1: everybody's like slapping him on the back.
0: And Dexter's like, I'm one of them in their darkest dreams. Yeah. I feel like it gives a good insight in that like he wants to be accepted into society while being himself but it also gives like a little bit of like commentary to the audience in a way it's like we're all really cheering on on Dexter you know what I mean it's looking out at the audience at that point I feel yes because
1: the audience sees Dexter for what he is and as a character we still view him as a protagonist that we kind of want to cheer for we don't want him to get caught we want him to like keep doing these things and like sticking to his code and stuff um, so, yeah, we kind of are uh, like the people cheering him on. I like that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it was an interesting fantasy scene, though, because there, there's not too many of those where it just completely shifts from reality like that to just Dexter's perspective. Uh, and he really starts going like wild with it. <laughs> with like, it, it keeps building. It's like, oh, yeah, what a like all of the actual visual aspects there with the, the confetti people cheering them on. There's like science. There's a, isn't there like a plane that goes by with a banner that says we love Dexter?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I pointed yeah. that out. <laughs> oh, it uh,
1: is, yeah. It was quite funny.
0: <sighs> yeah. That, so that kind of covers season one. So overall, what would you say your assessment of season one is?
1: Overall, like, uh, I, I quite enjoyed season one. I think that, uh, There were some slower parts in the beginning. I'd say, like, the first four to eight episodes. Uh, The first few episodes, like, I I said that I liked the pilot. Um, But as they're really developing some of these side characters, um, and as some of the episodes just kind of end up centered around, uh, like, kill of the week kind of story structures, not all of the plots I found that engaging, especially the subplots, where it was really just about, like, developing these kind of side stories that were more just about the characters and tie very lightly into the the major plot. Um, some of those I found a little bit longer, but overall I think a lot of, like, the suspense that it builds was really good. Uh, I quite enjoyed the last, like, three episodes where you you finally get the reveal that the season's been building up to, and it's also, like... There's several layers to that reveal uh, as you find out, like, oh, the ice truck killer is Rudy, which is the dude that Dev's been dating. And it's like, oh, shit, Rudy is Brian. And that's, like, Dexter's long-lost brother. So it's kind of – it's not just building up to one thing, uh, which I also found satisfying. So, no, I, I quite enjoyed the season. Um, I think, like – it, before, we'll get into it more, but like, uh, I think I enjoyed this one more than season two. Okay. Um, just with how it's both, uh, the, the actual, like, overarching story I enjoyed, the whole, like, Brian plot, but also I think uh, it does a better job at both wrapping up its own story while setting stuff up a bit better for the next season. Yeah, it sets up a lot of the characters uh, quite well. There, there's some setup in the season that doesn't pay off all that much, like, uh, look where it is, replacement.
0: It's uninteresting. It's uninteresting, it sounds... no. Um, we didn't talk a lot about the police politics stuff, but we don't need to, because it's mostly just boring and that's takes okay, away. Like,
1: a lot of this show just feels like um, a story about Dexter, because Dexter's character is the most interesting part. By so, far. Yeah, by far. So, like, the the story is just framed within... A police drama, and yeah. within the tropes of a police drama, which is super established on TV, like in TV writing.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, you have like every single CSI and Cis, and like there's been seasons and seasons of like TV cop shows,
0: yeah. of any sort. They've they've been a staple of TV as long as TV's been a thing. It's yeah. Just...
1: Um. So like some of it just ends up relying on those tropes which like isn't always a bad thing um but yeah like i see why we're not as interested in talking about some of the stuff that are a little more direct like are a little closer to those kind of like police dramas yeah. uh, and like plots that you could see in just any other police drama show because the unique thing about the show is dexter and his yeah. character so that's what we're gonna i feel like yeah get from it the most
0: yeah, I agree with like the cop stuff. It feels all very cliché, by the book cop stuff and not done interestingly. But in general the overarching arc of the show of the first season with Dexter and the Ice Truck Killer is well done. It's a good cat and mouse game and like you said yeah. The reveal of it, it isn't just a cheap reveal. It does give you some ideas to ponder and to set up more arcs for Dexter yeah. to go on to season two. My problem with this first season is I feel like the writing, especially in the beginning, is extremely blunt and on the nose. <laughs> and it throws it—it yes. throws a lot at you. And I also find that there's a lack of confidence in just the way some of the dialogue and things flow in, in the beginning of the first season. Like, it's still trying to find its voice in a way, and by the end it does find its own voice when it actually gets more onto a focused story. Yeah. Which ultimately ends up being satisfying at the end. Um, what is it, like, if I can be more, like, critical of the actual medium, the
1: idea of it being, like, a voiced-over TV show. I think, like, that that's a common thing, obviously, with any TV show. The first season, it needs to, the writers need to find their footing, the actors need to find their footing, uh, and it, it just needs to kind of develop into what it is. The first season of a show is almost never going to be the best season.
0: Yeah, I um, will say that um, season two, I feel like the writers feel more confident in general, and a lot of yeah. the actors do. I mean, we'll talk about yeah. season two, but like, I feel like there's a greater sense of, like, this is what we want the show to be, and we're running with that in season two more, which is, like, understandable. But also, um, was it? I think a part of it is because season one, parts of it are taken from that first book, and I feel like there is some struggle of trying to, like, take things that – a lot of, like, side characters and stuff that are on the page are functionary, one-dimensional things and trying to make them – into a little more, and in addition to trying to translate that first person narration into a long running t- serialized TV show, yeah, I feel is like even if they like don't do a lot of the stuff in the book, it feels like they're kind of working against those constraints in a lot of parts
1: for sure. And that's why when you're we saying like that, you found it blunt, uh, that I feel like a lot of that comes from getting used to having a voiceover to have like that first person. Uh, narration like that because like shit's gonna come out blunt and like i've i found several lines that like just took me out of it because dexter just says some shit that's like a little too on the nose or doesn't need to be said or just i personally find funny because it ends up a little ridiculous um yeah a lot of that just kind of comes from the the medium but as they get better at writing within it And kind of the the story and the characters uh, fall into place a bit more. I think it it becomes, they they become a little more tactful with it.
0: I think that covers our thoughts on season one pretty well. Do you
1: have like any new thoughts about uh, season one watching it this time? Like anything specific to this watch through?
0: Not particularly. I think I pretty much anyone that would be new, I probably already said. Yeah, fair. When we're going through them.